Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Okay, Mark Zuckerberg is all over the papers this morning. Actually, more to the point, uh, a young woman by the name of Frances Hogan at the age of 37, a former executive within Facebook, the whistleblower that's before the Congress, Congress and Senate in America. I don't know whether you watched any of it yesterday afternoon. I watched it from time to time. It was mind-blowing stuff, what she was saying, with regards to Facebook. It dominates many of the papers. Zuckerberg's fortune crashed by 5 billion euro in the hours following uh, her testimony yesterday. Mind you, much of it bounced back again then when things calmed down. Um, she's saying that, that Facebook's products, uh, Facebook and Instagram in particularly, harm our children, stoke division, weaken democracy. And with regards to young children, particularly young girls, uh, Facebook damages, intentionally damages their self-esteem, their confidence, their body image, And yesterday afternoon, we saw her in particular take anorexia or driving young children and young girls to more and more anorexia-related content uh, on Facebook um, intentionally uh, for one reason and one reason only, and that reason is money. Um, Now, Facebook bosses prefer, prefer vast profits to web safety, and she has dumped literally like boxes and boxes and boxes of paperwork, which she photocopied before she left Facebook. And for the first time ever, she's saying, I can show you the stuff that Facebook is hiding and refusing to reveal. Uh, One chap yesterday actually asked her whether or not um, Facebook and Zuckerberg and those behind Facebook actually target young children younger than 13 and have they any research or analysis to show how they could hook young young children um, and she said yes uh, and it's always been that way I mean I thought it was just amazing it could well be the breakup of big tech actually um, and they may do it by law in America the breakup of Facebook the breakup of uh, Instagram in, I don't know I don't think it will be uh, the abolition of them in any way shape or form but to try and break up their power in some way shape or form in other stories this morning working from home the tax break could be worth uh, 100 euro a year. I mean, they brand it as inadequate. I would call it pathetic. I would call it an insult. Um, And I think actually, with regards to working from home, yes, of course, there should be some kind of state tax break for it. But I think actually employers, um, you know, I mean, I, I can't say, I don't have any root and branch information as to what employers are doing, but I'm just wondering whether or not they're doing enough uh, and giving, um, you know, any kind of uh, increases or some kind of bonuses to workers who are working from home because a lot of it has to do with a lot higher energy costs. And we're going into the winter, so you'll be heating houses a lot longer across the day and light and heat adds up. So a four-day week is a story that makes the mail. Would it be ever possible? Well, other countries do it, like your Iceland's and your Japan's and, you know, they, they even list Spain here as uh, the government is planning to conduct a, a three-year-long experiment of a four-day week to see if it would work. What would you do with all that time on your hands? Says he without small children. (laughs) Sleep! Rest! (laughs) Get out in the fresh air! Have a better quality of life balance! I know, I know. Listen, we're nearly there. October 22nd. Uh, And um, on one's paper, like the mail says, we're nearly there. We're on track for October 22nd. Not everything goes away, you know, having to schlep it in your bedroom for two weeks if you're positive. That doesn't go away. And masks in many public buildings doesn't go away. But they're also saying then, 
The examiner puts a downer on it, saying that Stephen Donnelly has reiterated that we could go back to tighter COVID restrictions and he can't rule them out. We'll see what happens across the winter. Oh, my God. And also, you know, we also have issues with regards to the economy because uh, it will bounce back and is bouncing back already. They are looking, according to the Times this morning, at a post-COVID growth surge in the Irish economy that in the next two years could generate 160,000 additional jobs. Um, I hope that all of the people that are employing 160,000 of them are already in the country. Because if many of them are coming in from overseas, they ain't going to have anywhere to live. And then the front page of this morning's Echo is a story that we touched on a few weeks back. The Echo says matches are now being cancelled because there's a shortage of refs. And why is there a shortage of refs? Well, it's because they get so much abuse. Cork soccer clubs have to cancel matches as referee numbers drop due to ab- abusive officials. And if you think it's the players that are abusing them, it's it's not. Sometimes it's the manager of the team. And a lot of the time, it's the parents of the children and the kids and the teens who are playing. It's an astonishing story in the Echo of a truckload of weapons. Uh, it included uh, a slash hook, knife, two pikes, two hurleys, a crowbar and a pickaxe handle intercepted by Gardaí at the height of a violent feud. Now, two of the men travelling in that truckload with weapons have been jailed uh, by uh, Judge Olin Kelleher. A serious dispute, apparently, on May 9th of this year, where slash hooks, knives, pickaxes, uh, crowbar no, not pickaxes, pikes, I should say, crowbars and hurleys carried in the truck. Um, and they said they were more or less entitled to carry them because they were in a dispute and a feud. Um, he was having none of that, actually. Cool me. Well, two of them will be cooling their heels in jail for a while. Oh, and listen, you may well be uh, cooling your own heels uh, if you travel from uh, Cork to Dublin because um, the uh, changes to rail makes this morning's echo where um, rail services will be suspended and bus transfers will operate between Cork and Mallow in both directions for 10 days to upgrade, uh, to upgrade, facilitate upgrade of work. So I'm just mentioning that it's a local story. Very sad story making all of the papers. It has to do with the National Maternity Hospital, has to do with a little lad by the name of Fionn and his parents were before the courts yesterday on his behalf and were awarded 18 million euro as a settlement. Uh, the paper this morning says that Fionn should have been delivered three hours earlier. Uh, Council said it was their contention that the damage to Fionn's brain was towards the end of his labour. He has cerebral palsy and lots of other complications and that court case was settled yesterday. Lovely, lovely couple. They really are and, uh, you know, he's a beautiful young fella. Um, shame that, um, that that happened to him before he ever got a chance to uh, uh, to grow and um, hopefully the, the money will make a difference with regards to the quality of his life. Papers also this morning talk about, I mentioned earlier as to where's everybody going to live. Apparently there's... Um, was it you know the annual rent cap there's so much data goes around you you get confused but I think it was 4% wasn't it that rents were capped at 4% the plan now is to cap rent at 2% it's not a rent freeze and it probably should be for a while but instead of 4% it looks as if it could well be a 2% rent cap Um, and uh, other numbers actually making the papers is, is how we're going to be in big trouble with the abolition of the 12.5% corporate tax rate because if we go to 15% like the rest of the EU and many countries around the world, 15% will be exactly the same as what the Americans are proposing. So it doesn't seem as if that's going to be good news for Ireland. I don't know why we couldn't have sailed our own canoe and stuck at 12.5%, brought in all of the big multinationals and created wealth and employment. But there you go. But if you thought, if you thought that women were making it up when they said they were, you know, I'm cold... I'm cold, I'm cold. It's not made up, it's true. 
this is the cold truth about the sexes that women do feel chillier than men. Now, it's not because they wear less by way of clothing or that a lot of the fashion for women now would make them cold if they're out. This is a genetic thing, apparently. Um, and it's a story that makes this morning's uh, red tops, including the mirror, where women do feel colder than men because it keeps them separate and prevents clashes, evolution experts believe. This is going back to, um, you know, pre-cavemen. This was dictated, apparently. Um, I, d- I don't quite understand it. Uh, research would claim the new study solves one of life's domestics heated debates why some females want the heating on when their male partner doesn't feel the cold. I'm there. I mean, it's me. It's, they're describing my life. Maybe yours too. And apparently, if Garth Brooks doesn't get five gigs at Croke Park, he's going to move the gigs to the Aviva uh, or indeed around Ireland. Rub your hands with glee. If Garth Brooks can't play pro- croaker, he may play Parky Queeve. And the re- great Roy Keane makes the online uh, news this morning because uh, he was at Penny Dinners yesterday helping out. Apparently, St. Angela's girls were there. They were the volunteers yesterday. And Keno turned up to do his thing. He was on sandwich duty. And I know that there was lots of jokes doing the rounds last night. Was he making any prawn sandwiches? Absolutely not. The Neil Prenderville Show. Lines open at 1850-104-106. Text 0868-104-106. I want to go to this very quickly because there are people who are travelling to Dublin by train and by car this morning. Dozens of men and women. Well, I should say buses, trains and cars. And they're en route to Dáil Éireann for a protest this morning. And it's a march for maternity. Um, because it's absolutely ludicrous now at this stage that there's all sorts of different rules and regulations and admission times and all sorts of stuff at our various maternity hospitals. And the CUMH has come in for a lot of criticism. Amongst them is Linda Kelly, who thankfully has pulled in safely out of traffic to chat to me on our way to Dublin. Linda, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Thank you for doing that. I hope you're safe. Thanks for pulling in. I won't delay you much. What's going on this morning and why? Well, as you said, it is utterly ludicrous that pregnant women and their families are having to take to the streets to be heard on the issue of maternity restrictions. I gave birth in July 2020 in CMH to my second girl under these restrictions. And since last September, we have been campaigning in every possible way, lobbying TVs, lobbying HSE chiefs, media interviews, whatever you can think of, we've done it. And still today, in October 2021, women are separated from their partners in early labour. Ward visiting and NICU visiting is severely restricted. And all antenatal appointments, people are separated for. And, and can you tell me, can you tell me with regards to your own birth, uh, childbirth in uh, June 2020, has anything relaxed at all at the UMH between tw- June 2020 and October 2021? So there have been some relaxations in Cork, but they're still not compliant with the national guidelines. So they have changed the visiting hours. So I was totally on my own for three days after I had a section. My husband wasn't allowed in at all. He wasn't even allowed to pick us up. Uh, He had to meet us in the car park afterwards, um, after we were discharged. So now the visiting hours are 3 p.m. to 8 p.m., but they're still back to pre-pandemic levels, which, if anybody will be aware, were from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. And so what we're calling on today is for the minister to intervene to make sure that across the 19 maternity units, every hospital reverts to pre-pandemic access for one nominated support partner. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, 
have some maternity hospitals gone back already to, you know, full access? So in Galway, they have, and in Hollis Street, they have. But in every other part of the country, it's an absolute postcode lottery. So in Limerick, it will depend what type of room you have. If you have a single occupancy room, you'll have longer visiting hours. If you're a public patient on the ward, you'll have much, much shorter visiting hours. Waterford is different. Drogheda is different. The, the Midlands are different again. Yeah. And there is no consistency. Of and the CUMH the is what? 3 p.m. to 8 p.m., is it? 3pm to 8 Is that and I, is that is that not enough no forgive me that's like a 5 hour window no What is it that that partner should be able to come and go at any time is that it Linda Yeah between 7am and 11pm they were the hours that were there pre the pandemic yeah. nobody's looking for aunts and uncles and nanas to be coming back into the hospital this is about in most circumstances the second parent for this baby coming in to support mum after giving birth which is a very whether you have an, a straightforward delivery or whether you have a very difficult delivery it is a very intense time you're exhausted afterwards you need the support of somebody who loves you there to mind you while you're minding baby um, and it's, it's really really important one of the other places you would want to partner actually and, and you know if two kids myself you would want to be able to visit first thing in the morning you really would like in fairness absolutely you know everybody and knows, last like thing I, at night one of the things that uh, my husband really missed like he missed three days the first three newborn days which if people remember there's a real intoxicating smell from baby in yeah. those newborn yeah. days yeah, they were, they were he missed days. all of that yeah. and people are missing out on huge memories but I think one of the difficult pieces for CUMH where they continue to defy the national guidelines is they don't allow partners into the emergency room and that is beyond comprehensible at this stage we have had people have who are going to the emergency room in CUMH are going with a concern around their pregnancy they are extremely distressed they are highly anxious and CUMH is telling partners wait out in the car park you're not allowed in at this stage of the pandemic when we have access to antigen testing when there are high levels of vaccinations when we know how to manage this disease it is absolutely unethical that they continue and, to defy the uh, HSE guidelines and for, just explain to us those that may not know partners are clearly at the, at the birth but at what stage? only when a woman is in the labour ward so in particular in CUMH, they are very stringent about you have to be in established labour, have to be at the three, four centimetre yes. mark, and you have to have a vaginal exam to determine that. So people are having unnecessary exams in order to be able to actually request for their partner to become in. And for women who are in the throes of labour, the minute your labour starts is the minute your labour starts. There should be no question that you're being separated from your partner at any stage okay. of that process. Two points for you, and I'm quoting from uh, the um, online news feed, Tripe and Drasheen. They, they quote uh, the West Cork TD, Holly Kearns, as saying that partners should not be considered visitors. They're not visitors. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're not, not in any way, shape or form a visitor. They're a partner. <laughs> 
Exactly. They're a nominated support person. And I think one of the advantages in maternity services is that women attend maternity services from the 12-week booking appointment. It is absolutely manageable for hospitals to be able to take note of who the partner is and make arrangements then to ensure that the service is delivered safely. It is a planned essential healthcare service. We shouldn't still have emergency measures in place. But we're way beyond the point of women undergoing, and they were sharing the stories, and again I'm quoting Tripe and women sharing stories of undergoing labour, miscarriage, stillbirth and postpartum period without the support of their partners. They have the support of their partners now for those awful scenarios, don't they? But, but limited time and access, that's what it is. Well, that's still very unclear in CUMH, actually, Neil, because we have had numerous stories from CUMH and it's linked to their refusal to allow partners access in the emergency room where people will go to CUMH concerned that they are miscarrying and CUMH will not allow a partner. Oh, thank you for clarifying that. That means that the partner wouldn't be there for a miscarriage or a stillbirth because it's an emergency. Until it's actually diagnosed. And that, again, I think at this stage of the pandemic and given the stories that people have been forced to share is totally inappropriate. And also, can I ask you, were you quoted as well as saying that some women are delaying going to hospital? Um, Explain that to me, because uh, what would be the reasons for that? So typically for a lot of women when their labour starts, you can be in early labour for two or three days actually before you're at the magic three or four centimetres. So uh, we've had lots of stories into the campaign from women who are staying at home for as long as possible until they they feel that they're really past the four centimetre mark because they don't want to have any question when they get to the hospital that their partner is going to be made wait in the car park. And we know we've had a few we've had a few hairy stories in of women, you know, almost delivering in the car because they really fear being separated from their partner when they get to the hospital. And that unfortunately is still the case in CUMH. If you go in and you're in in the early stage of your labour, you'll go to an antenatal ward. And if it's out, if it's before 3 p.m. or after 8 p.m., you'll be on your own. Mm, and that's, uh, you know, is, is that is, that's, that is a worry and concern for all pregnant women. But I'd imagine it's a real worry and concern for first-time pregnant women, wouldn't it be? Unknown. Absolutely, and for partners too, because yeah. they play a really key role. You know, the literature from the HSC and from the hospital in the antenatal classes will clearly set out that when there is a partner there in early labour, it has better outcomes for everybody involved. And what is the uh, what is the CUMH saying by response? Um, do, are they just do they just want to be very very cautious because of COVID? I mean, you are right; like the staff are vaccinated. Um, you know, what, what, what is the situation, say, with, with regards to pregnant women and, and vaccination? So there's no reliable data available around the vaccination levels of pregnant women, which is one of the problems at the moment. Um, we know that it's, it's probably estimated around 60 to 70 percent. It's probably not as high as the 92 percent in the general 60 population. 60 to 70 percent. And you see, we also don't know how many of the partners are or are not vaccinated. There could be a chance if... Um, well, if you take it, Neil, that most adults over the age of 18 are vaccinated, I think it's it's fairly uh, legitimate to say that most partners at this stage are vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there, there was a story last problems. week, of a, there was just a story last week of a, of a woman who was vaccinated, refused to go into a, 
a ward with other pregnant women because some pregnant woman wasn't vaccinated in there. Yeah, and that that is a concern for people because the un, unvaccinated pregnant people are actually most at risk of COVID. Yeah, yeah, That's the group that everybody is trying to protect and that we're also trying to protect. That's why we're pushing the HSE on antigen testing and on COVID testing because we should have really robust infection control measures in place. But actually the partner restrictions aren't an appropriate infection control measure because the partners are still going in and out of the hospital they're just coming in and out of arbitrary times. Okay, this and they're is, not being tested. This is blatant non-compliance. You're saying when when you go when you get to the doll today, will you be met with, by others from around the country? Yes, I know people are travelling from Limerick and from Galway, from the Midlands, from Kildare, from Waterford. And there has been a huge outpouring of support for the campaign. And so we're expecting a big crowd. And we'll also be joined by the Women's Oireachtas Caucus, who are going to receive a 20-foot long scroll of stories that we've received from the campaign. And they're going to bring that directly to the minister. The minister, by the way, who has completely ignored our correspondence and our letter asking him for an urgent meeting. He said he won't force maternity hospitals to conform to the new rules. He says he won't force them. And I think it's absolutely appalling that the Minister for Health won't take responsibility for this issue. Women make up half of the population of this country and he's there to represent us as well as he is to lead on on health service issues. Okay, uh, safe trip to Dublin. I'll let you carry on, Linda. Thanks for pulling in. Do appreciate it. Cheers for now. Linda Kelly, organiser of the March for Maternity taking place in the Dáil today. Fair play to her. Back after the break, text 0868 104 106. If there's anybody, any women out there who've uh, ended up having their babies at home uh, or indeed caught it very, very fine because of restrictions in COMH or maybe even gave birth in the car, love to hear from you. Give us a call. 1-850-104-106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red. FM. And you can text 0868104106. Keep those texts coming. Uh, let's get the um, opinion of somebody who actually is uh, in, I suppose at this stage, expecting their second child, and that's Peter Horgan. I want to get a man's perspective on this. Peter, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, you're, you're not travelling, but um, no. you are expecting, uh, you or your wife, your second baby yeah, so soon. We're at 37 weeks, so it just wasn't possible for us to travel. I know, I understand that. I'm, ju- I'm just, just curious <laughs> to how it's been for you for the last 37 weeks. Uh, it's it's hard to say that like you're not part of the pregnancy because obviously you live the pregnancy with your partner at home. But I suppose this yes. But what about scans and and appointments and things? Scan, like that? I've been to one scan, the twenty week uh, anomaly scan, um, and that was it. Thankfully, this time our pregnancy has been pretty straightforward. So, how many? What have you missed? Oh, I couldn't tell you how much we missed. Probably about about nine or ten scans. Get away! Really? Um, yeah, yeah, about that. Because they're exciting, aren't they? And you know, you want to be there for support. Yeah, and you know you want to be able to see the photo. You want you want to see the baby in a certain way. They might give a little wave on the camera that you don't see the photo. And sometimes you know there isn't always the option to to do a recording um, because I suppose every time you go in for a scan, you kind of your heart might be in your mouth as well, but saying, "Look, I hope everything's okay." Understandably, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, this one has. I know of others who haven't been in such a situation, so. You know, whipping the phone out straight away is kind of frowned upon anyway um, when you go in. So there, there have been some scans where you know we haven't gotten photos of that scan or something like that. Like so, you know, you kind of you kind of do feel a bit left out. And, and yeah, I think you use the term that fathers feel they're at 
arm's length, is it? That they yeah. I'm not I'm not quite saying a nuisance because, you know, I wouldn't say that about, you know, the COMH in fairness. They don't regard that because they're they're just following what they believe is the best health protocols during COVID, right? Yeah, but I suppose the fathers coming in and partners coming in are there as advocates for those in labour and those just out of labour, I suppose. You know, even just being in, in next to help them get out of the bed, something basic is that. I mean, regardless whether you've had a section or a natural birth, your your core is nearly ripped out of you and you've had a serious medical procedure and to leave someone alone in a bed with a small baby, you know, just, just seems counterintuitive to me. Uh, and if you can have a partner in there who the person will be going back into a home with anyway more often than not um, I, I've heard so many people say like you know the restrictions I can go to pennies I can now go for a meal with my wife but I can't you know one can't attend straight away you have to, have to wait on different kind of hours and as Linda said before like it is a bit of a post-code lottery you have yeah. stringent uh, restrictions in places like Kerry and, and, and other places in Dublin then it's a lot more and, and she said Galway and I think she might have mentioned yeah. Limerick as well yeah uh, here's an interesting text for you my wife gave birth to our second baby last December I spent seven hours in the car in Wilton car park uh, while she was in the early stages of labour then I was called in for the later stages after delivery I got two hours with my son and then had to go uh, didn't see either of them again for the next three days it's terrible on the mother something has to change says Alan but but he's relating to something that happened in December it's it's yeah. more relaxed now though isn't it well I know friends of mine who've had children the last kind of month month two months that you know similar kind of situations you know ushered out the door very very quickly and I suppose you would have been always ushered out the door at 11 o'clock anyway um, up there you know it's kind of you know visiting time is over at yeah. 11pm but, you know, there was always the kind of, the, the leeway to kind of come in a bit earlier or like, you know, you might say a half hour late to make sure everyone was, was, was gone to bed and stuff like that. But I suppose what the problem is for partners is the uncertainty. And once she goes through those doors, it's, you're kind of on tenterhooks. You don't know what to expect. You don't know when you're going to get the call. You don't know, should you park near? To be fair to the parking attendants last time, we were in CUA for two weeks. You're breaking um, up there. Move around a little bit, Peter. We, we were in TUMH for three weeks in your natal, and the parking attendants were very, very helpful in you know doing the the, the long long term stay parking. But it's unsure. I'm unsure how that's working now. It's kind of a bit of a communication issue in terms of once she goes through those doors, we don't really know what happened. And every birth is different. Just because you've had one child doesn't mean that you're an expert at the second one. Um, and, and the same for, for new parents as well who might not have any children. You know, but surely by the October, what is the date I mentioned earlier? 22nd, isn't it? October 22nd? I mean, surely I by surely by then, if they're saying, you know, we've seriously broken the back of COVID at this stage, for God's sake. I think you alluded well, to that, you know, like lots of other sections of society. I would have liked to see an antigen testing brought in for partners. I mean, if you can... If you can say that you can that you've been vaccinated, if you if I can show my COVID pass at a restaurant, why can't one show a COVID pass at the door and also take an antigen test? I don't think any partner would have been had a problem with that. Mm, restaurants aren't med- restaurants aren't aren't medical facilities. But they're taking the pass. You know, do you know what I mean? You're not allowed in, in, in into indoors if you're not if you don't have a COVID pass. So if you can show a COVID pass for a hospital setting as well as an antigen test that's something that should have been considered can, a, can a non-vaccinated dad go into the CUMH I don't know it's the honest answer well a non-vaccinated mum can or expectant mum as I understand it the partner I am vaccinated so the issue hasn't arisen for me but um, I understand that the person the person if you're unvaccinated can maybe attend the birth and then that's it but I don't know and that's just it there's, there's no hard and fast 
communication and, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, they can because maybe they're concerned. You know, you know, with regards to St. Luke's home uh, down in Black Rock, there was unfortunately an outbreak of COVID there, and they had to stop all visits. That's the scenario the COMH and the COH doesn't want, I suppose. Infection control needs to be looked at and needs to be kind of adhered to. But the over, but as Linda said, you're not looking for all and sundry to come in to the maternity, the maternity wings. You're looking for fathers, essentially, of newborn babies to come in and bond with their child in the hospital before they take it home and also to support their partner, you know, more often than not unable to kind of get out of bed. So, True enough, yeah. 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 You, you regard it as being to help them after childbirth and be the person with the clearer mind when the partner might be stressed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mind you, having said that, I know I talk about vaccinated and unvaccinated. Having a vaccine in your system doesn't stop you from giving somebody COVID. You, you still are a carrier, of course, you know. So well, it, all the vaccine does is it stops you from getting very sick. That's and all. I imagine there's mask wearing etiquette still involved in the hospital and, and all that is, is still in place and will continue to be in place probably for a lot longer than will be in regular society. Um, but I, I suppose at the moment with people who are expecting children and, and you know people who are marching today for maternity care, I suppose what they want is a kind of a, a gesture from the government that, look, we hear you, we're going to do what we can to support you. But at the moment, it just seems that the minister is just, just ignoring the And 3pm to 8pm isn't enough. Well, it certainly wouldn't be enough if you have children at home as well. If you have to arrange childcare and, you know, pick people up from childcare, pick children up from school, you know, all of a sudden 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. becomes it's not practical. four maybe. Yeah. And then, you know, by the time you get your own kids to sleep, if, you've, if you're in a position where you can actually have family come over and, and assist, yeah, okay. you know, you might only get in for an hour and a half. Okay, you know? okay. Let me get some more texts and calls on the air. Good luck with the... Uh with the, uh, with the Labour and the childbirth. Peter, thanks Thank so you. much for taking the call. Peter Horgan, the Labour rep himself, lines open at 1850, 104, 106, and also an expectant dad. Um, a text. Uh, I was told by a midwife that the restrictions should and can be lifted, but they are not being lifted due to certain people within the, within the CUMH dictating the rules. Apparently, their work is easier without partners around heartbreaking to have been told this. Uh, that's an interesting text because that almost would lead you to believe that ex- that dads, expectant dads, partners, uh, might might even feel that they're kind of like a, a visitor or, or kind of like a, a nuisance around the CUMH. And of course, that isn't the case. Back after the break, calls on the way. Stop. I'll tell you what, I'll talk to Jennifer, then go for the break if it's okay with you. Jennifer, good morning. Hi, Neil. No, you gave birth only last May, was it? Yeah, only this May. Okay, yeah. so I'd love to hear your story because it's not all that long ago. Go ahead. No. Um, so when we gave birth to her, when I gave birth to her, it was the day before the cyber attack. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so They were up to 90 in the hospital then. Yeah. <laughs> so it was complicated things um, a bit more. So um, my husband had to go. Um, after um, I gave birth to our daughter and then he didn't get in the next day again unfortunately um, because the cyber attack and they couldn't do the normal um, visiting log on the app that they would normally do um, so yeah it, it just Bad it timing for you then wasn't it? Very difficult So time, how, yeah. how long was he unable to come in for to see his beautiful daughter? Um, so he had left on Thursday um, at I think maybe it was about 12 o'clock in the day and he didn't get back in again to see us until Saturday at I think it was half past two. Oh that's a long time. How did that make you feel? Uh, it was difficult 
she knew it was a first baby and um, needing the support. So uh, it was it was difficult. I was absolutely thrilled, and thank God she was here, safe and sound, and that's all that matters. I know, but there, but there were. You know, you missed out on a lot, didn't you? Because it's an exciting yeah. time. It's a beautiful, beautiful time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Even, you know, as the other callers there were saying, um, you know, even in the scans and everything, you know, the whole way through the pregnancy, um, we were looking at, um, my husband was able to get the anomaly scan. Um, but that, like, that was the only scan he saw. Yeah, I know, so. I know. It's it, it's somewhat more relaxed now, but um, you know, s- still not still not enough by by virtue of what people are saying and marching to Dublin yeah. for. It's just a beautiful yeah, time, isn't it? The you know the day the, the on the day and that night and all yeah. of the next day and that it's just a beautiful yeah. kind of a warm, yeah. homely, safe, yeah. secure yeah. family feel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, oh, totally, yeah, and it's really precious time, you know. It's, oh, that's a fabulous word. It's a precious time for the three of you. It really is. Yeah. I remember that. It was yeah. just a lovely, yeah. lovely, yeah. lovely time. We'll never forget it. Um, and all good. What's your daughter's name? Isabel. Isabel, lovely name. Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, <laughs> yeah. of, of, of all of the yeah. times to be going into the COMH to give a baby on the same day as a, as a cyber attack, give me a break. <laughs> all right, Jennifer, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. Bye, Thank back you. after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. And you can pick up the phone on one 850 Just referencing earlier on, I'll come back to your calls in a second. Uh, Colin and William are standing by. We're talking about the front of the echo today, and we dealt with this with uh, referees on the air uh, maybe about six or seven weeks ago. They're saying that um, Cork soccer clubs are having to cancel matches as referee numbers drop due to abuse of officials. And Tina uh, actually got in touch with me uh, by email, obviously in the last 10 or 15 minutes, saying, on the subject of referees that you mentioned, I was a spectator at an underage game in which my son was playing over the weekend. And when one of the team managers wasn't happy with the decision, he shouted from the sideline uh, that he was a handicap. The ref was a handicap. To be honest, I thought I'd only imagine the term of abuse, but it did happen. And the ref then ordered the manager to leave the sideline and to watch the match from a distance. It was one of the most disturbing incidents I've witnessed in a long, long time. I'm totally in favour of the ref and his decision to red card the manager. I understand people get hot-headed, but the term he used at the ref was just deplorable, says Tina. And she was there, she heard it. And that is a typical example, I suppose, of the name-calling that the referees have to put up to. I don't know if it ever spills into argy-bargies. I have heard of, um, you know, parents running onto the pitch, and I have heard of, uh, you know, uh, managers running onto the pitch and maybe getting a bit too close and personal with the referees. But that's an interesting email. Keep them coming, email neil at uh, redfm.ie. Back to the phone lines we go. William, good morning. Good morning, uh, Neil. Now you're not well. Yeah. You have uh, glandular fever. What's that like? What are what are the symptoms of that? Well, it's a seriously choking cough, and um, temperature, you know, a wheezing, a wheezing, a wheezing kind of a. It actually puts you into such a state of. Uh, I don't know what the word is, but when you start coughing, you can't stop. Okay, okay. And when, and you, when you do, when you do stop, you have to take um, a slug of water, a good drop of water, a good two cups or three cups of water. Yeah, obviously, glandular fever affects the glands. That would be your neck and your throat and areas like that, wouldn't it? Yes. And yeah, and yeah. are you are you in CUH? I am. Yeah. Okay. And how long have you been there? Seven days now. 
today. Okay, and you've been getting the best of care and treatment? To the best of the ability, but as I said, um, my doctor said today then that, uh, yes, sorry, the day before yesterday that I have to go home on Wednesday. Today? And I'm not asking. Yeah, she's, no, she said it on m- Monday. Yeah, but she said on Monday that you have to go on Wednesday, which is, you have to go which home today. today yes. And are you yeah. are you recovered, though? No, I'm not. So why do they want to send um, you home today? I don't know. I, that's that's the, the crux of the question. I don't know what they're sending me home like this for. Okay. Um, and if and you... I, 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 I live alone. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. And, you, you know, when you, when you say you live alone and you go home, you wouldn't be able to care for yourself, is it? Sorry, there's a doctor just has come in there. Is he a doctor for you? Yeah. Okay, yeah. do you need to go and talk to him? I just, yeah, he okay. wants me to come and see him, you know. Okay, do, do uh, that, do that, and I'll, I'll talk to you a little later on. I don't want to get in the way of the doctor, all right? All right, thank you. Okay, call back. I'll call you back. I'll get back in touch again. Um, I think that the crux of that situation is he they uh, want to send him home. He feels he's not ready to go home. It's too soon. Also, his GP feels that he's uh, not ready to go home. Uh, and I think at this stage, they may well be looking for some kind of respite care because he can't go home and look after himself. The point being, he believes, and his GP believes as well, that perhaps he's being sent home too early. Uh, I'll come back to that. I don't want to get in the way of the doctor. We've also heard uh, of women... Uh, not getting uh, vaccines while they're breastfeeding uh, their newborns over fears that it might impact their babies. Uh, I'm wondering if anybody else can share any insight into that one as to, um, you know, the worries that maybe pregnant women might have after having birth um, and and still deciding not to get the vaccine because of breastfeeding uh, and things like that. I had twins in April 2020, six weeks prematurely due to preeclampsia. The twins stayed in Neo for 18 and 19 days. My, my partner just saw them at delivery for two minutes before they were rushed to the Neo. And he didn't meet them properly until they returned home from Neo at nearly three weeks old. Bear in mind that was in April of last year. Uh, I'm sick of listening to these pregnant women complaining about partners visiting them in hospital. For goodness sake, there are people in hospital with serious and life-threatening illnesses that cannot see families either. One instance is our friend is a friend of ours who was recently diagnosed with motor neuron disease. She's in her late 70s. The consultant gave her the news on her own in a ward in the CUH. Her husband was given the news by telephone from the consultant. For all of her time in hospital, she could have no family visit. Since her diagnosis, she's had two more terms in hospital, again with no visitors. She is not alone. This is happening to people with serious cancers and heart problems. There's no outpouring of support for these very sick people. I'd say to these pregnant women, think yourselves lucky. Again, it's all this in this woman's power. Um, we're sick of hearing about women's rights, says Dave. Thank you for that. That's just an edited version of it. You, you must bear in mind, Dave, and I'm not taking from the situation you've described or other like it. They're two different hospitals. You know, one is the CUH, where you're describing the situation, and the other is the CUMH, which is for pregnant women and childbirth. So it's two different scenarios, you know, two physically different buildings. Not similar in that regard. Uh, I think not allowing partners into the CUMH has been one of the cruelest and inhumane things that has happened during covid And there has been many of them. It's been cruel to mothers. It's been cruel to fathers. It's, of course, especially cruel to first-time parents. But after having three children, it doesn't make it any easier being in labor and giving birth. 
My first and third labour were tough, especially the last. And I don't know how I would have gotten through it without the support of my husband. He was an amazing support all throughout. The midwives were great, of course, but they don't have time to give one-to-one attention when you're in such a vulnerable and lonely position. Any chance of having a fourth child has been wiped out uh, for me due to these stupid restrictions. It would terrify me going to hospital appointments without my husband and his support, but it would traumatize me, the thought of not having my husband with me for labor. I'd honestly be terrified. If I did get pregnant again, I'd uh, be opting for a home birth, and I never, ever thought I would say that. This is part of our history and will not look well in the future, says Gillian. Um, again, I understand all of the, what you're saying there, but your husband would be with you for the labor, you know, not for the earliest part of it, for the earliest part of dilation, depending on the amount of centimeters, but for the rest of it. I don't want to be worrying people that they'd be at labor on their own. That is not the case. Uh, what about the 187 staff in the Rotunda not vaccinated by choice? If they can work, can't dads go in to help? There's that and lots more. Just another one here. I'm listening to your show and it's so hard. I think when people are very ill, they should be... When, I think when people are very ill, people should be allowed in. My husband died in April, tragically. He was 47. He collapsed at home on, on the Monday... Me and my 16 and 19-year-old weren't allowed in all week. He died on the Saturday, and we are traumatized still. Uh, All we wanted was to be with him. He was a healthy man. He ran every day. His blood was low, uh, and uh, they couldn't bring it up. I just think people need to be with their loved ones. Can't go on air, as I would just cry and wouldn't be able to talk. It's just too soon. But in time, I will go on and talk to you about our awful time. Thank God for FaceTime. We did speak every day. Uh, Please don't call out his name um, because uh, I want to keep that private. Um, Appreciate that. I I would like to talk to you when you're in a better position. Everyone uh, knows us um, uh, and we're broken that we couldn't be with him all week in the COH, says she. I know. I mean, there are so, so many sad and, uh, you know, horrifying stories of what people went through. But thank God, in in one sense, um, you know, that... Things are continuing to improve. Uh, and on, and ultimately, we will have to eventually arrive at a situation where life just goes on and all restrictions will have to be lifted. Uh, and, you know, th- there's nothing you can do about that because this this is not feasible, you know, forever. I mean, clearly not. Uh, so October 22nd will say a lot. And, uh, you know, if, you know, I know that not everybody is a fan of, of vaccines, but if they are talking about the vaccines being super effective, I mean, I, mean, I still know of people actually... who are double vaccinated, very fit people who got very, very sick, I have to say. Uh, But for the vulnerable and for the elderly and what have you, with the booster and everything, surely be to God, everybody else then at that stage will be able to just get on with their life. And if you get sick, uh, at least you'll be vaccinated to protect you from not getting so sick that you'd have to go into hospital. And really at that stage, you know, shouldn't that be enough? Your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868-104-106. Pick up the phone on one 850 The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Let's stay with these texts for now and thank to everybody who has got in touch and texted 0868-104-106. A lot of them. CMH, listening in work, very frustrated. My wife had a baby in 2020. She's due again in early 2021. I've missed scans. Didn't see my baby for four days after a C-section last time. It's tough on everybody. Nobody likes these restrictions. People need to remember that the restrictions are to protect mothers, babies and hospital staff. Yeah, but if that's the case, why isn't it the same in all of the maternity hospitals? Why is it just down to the hospital themselves to make their own call? Decision makers in the CUMH aren't out to punish people, Neil. 
They are people who have their own kids. They understand the restrictions. In traumatic and extreme cases, the restrictions are flexible. People need to remember, expecting mothers late in pregnancy are in more danger than others from COVID. Look at the bigger picture, people, says Paul. Uh, Morning. A non-vaccinated father can go inside the CUMH. I'm not vaccinated and I just filled a form. My temperature was checked and in I went. This was back in August this year. I had to make an appointment at the time. There were two slots a day, half two and half six, which for me was okay. Uh, I have to disagree with you regarding COVID vaccination. My wife was fully vaccinated, caught COVID from a hospital worker, either a nurse or a care assistant. My wife is, has now passed away. Oh, crikey. Wow. Oh, that's, um, that's very sad. Uh, I could attend the birth and it was wonderful. I could not get it uh, when she was... Uh, sorry, I, I, could, I could attend the birth and it was wonderful. I could not get in when she was being discharged. I had to wait outside. But the medical staff were very helpful, I can tell you. Uh, CUMH, Neil, it looks like they want to go back to the old days when fathers and partners were not allowed in until after the birth, says Ginny. Well, if you go back far enough, uh, fathers were nowhere uh, near the birth or in, in many, many cases, you know, um, they just weren't involved at all until baby was delivered, wrapped up, washed and ready to be shown and handed over to dad. So we've come on a long way now. It's a very, very different world now where it really is a, a team effort and not a visitor. It's a, a team effort. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106 and we'll come back to that and lots more besides after uh, 10 o'clock. A lot of um, great texts yesterday from people who were listening to inspiring stories, particularly Timmy, one of the two Naris. Well done to those gentlemen on air with you. You can never judge people. Everyone has a story behind them. They should be endorsed to advise people on the frightening drug problems in Cork and throughout Ireland. Of course, this has, has to do with uh, Revive Me Car Valeting, uh, where the lads, uh, Timmy and his, and his buddy, um, uh, hire and employ um, ex-addicts, those that are in recovery. Uh, Neil, Timmy made one great point. I did it for my partner at the start, as in tried to get clean and sort his life out. I did it for my partner at the start, but I'm doing it for myself now. That was exactly the same for me. I'm off the booze nearly three years now and I will never go back. Point being that uh, in spite of trying and trying and trying, in the past it was never for the right reason until you decided that it was only for you that you needed to make the change and that made all the difference. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And just a more fabulous text with regards to Revive Me Car Valeting down um, the uh, Boggy Road. Uh, down by the, uh, just literally across from the new um, uh, open air food and dining area there. Uh, I had my car washed a few times by Revive It. And not only do they do a brilliant job, but they're all sound lads. These are lads that are in recovery and now working away and, uh, you know, have, have a purpose in their lives. And, you know, the lads that are working, that they're working with, each and every one of them has similar stories and they can bounce off each other 
and they can lift each, lift, lift each other up if they're having tough days. Great to hear so much from people in recovery on your show these days. Yes, and I'm mad keen to hear more stories of that. I'm in recovery four years now, and I can't stress how amazing it is to hear people speak so openly. It will help so many people in their early days. Life gets so much better. I have two kids in college part-time, and I'm getting married next year. Everything is because of sobriety. Fair play to you. Fair play to you. You should be very proud. I love hearing people like those men on the program. More of those stories, please. Yes, I, I will. And I'm encouraging others to get in touch because it's all very well to hear of the doom and gloom stories and the negativity and the name calling. And, you know, you, you, you see people who are going through addiction and we see them. But I often say, and many others agree with me, that there's a story behind each and every one of them. Um, on the Bishop's Son attack, just wondering how is the other person that was with the lad who was beaten with the hammer? Um, in Curraheen Road, there was no mention of the other person, says Mary. I don't know, to be quite honest with you. I'm just giving you an honest answer to it. Um, but um, uh, I hope that he's well. Um, my son's friend was attacked on the South Main Street a few years ago. He ended up in hospital. The guardie knew who the attackers were, but advised him not to take a case against them. Um, I saw the young guy Sunday morning who was slashed. A 15-year-old slashed him all across the forehead and the back. It happened at McDonald's on Patrick Street at two in the morning. He stabbed him in the back and then in the face when he turned around. I know I saw this and I know that somebody was taken into custody. Um, I, another one, I agree with your texter um, with regards to, actually it was a text from I think a serving guard who said you seem to be taking a pop at the guards and you're on an anti-guard crusade. I mean that hurts really because it couldn't be further from the truth but Somebody says, I disagree with that. You're only reading out what people say. People are quick to shoot the messenger always. Thanks for giving a balanced reading of texts and comments and emails. I keep up the great work. So there's all that and lots more besides that I will come back to you. But if you don't mind, I just want to have a chat with Anthony because um, he's been holding there for a few minutes and uh, I don't want to keep him too long. Sad as his story is. Anthony, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are things, bud? Anthony, tell me about your beloved wife, Mary. Um... Well, what can I say? She was my rock. She was everything to me. And um, she would have been celebrating her 50th birthday on this Friday. And on Wednesday at about 11 o'clock, we were all getting ready to go. We were, well, I was upstairs asleep. I was getting ready to go to sleep. And all I hear was a knock. Just um, called the doctor and something like that. And we got down. Um, it, was, it was just a crazy couple of minutes. And we got down just she was yeah, collapsed in the sitting room. You heard her knocking from downstairs, is it? No, I didn't hear the lads heard the toys because she hit she she must have hit the coffee table on the way. Oh, down. you heard a bang. Oh yeah. Okay. We heard the bang, you know what I mean? And yeah. when we got down all I heard was Mam's after collapsing. And I came in, I, I just ran downstairs. I was I was only just after three minutes, you know, when you're waking up over sleep you just don't know what's going on. It was it was just a crazy couple a minute or two. Yeah, disoriented. We got we got down there, she was on the floor and she was shallow breathing. We just got her over on a the lads had got her over on her back and had a pillow under it and we were with the nine nine nine. And I tell you something, he kept he was very, this chap on the nine 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 was very good. He kept us kept talking to us, telling us what to do. Um, just you know, help us over. We were doing the count back on the breathing and things. I don't want to get too deep on it. Yeah. But we wait, and then the the fire brigade, the emergency fire brigade, so the little truck came up outside the door. First responders, I suppose, they were there, and they, you know, we had got she had gotten sick. I don't want to be. She got sick, and she kind of came around, you know. Yeah. So the pressure was off. So we came around. We just thought she just took a bad turn. 
and um, you know they took care of it. Then the, the ambulance came along, and we went out. Um, we just said, they said follow us out. Yeah. So you know, usually you get the, you, know, you say look look we get them. Some fresh clothes for just keep a company okay because yeah. you know yeah. you know you know the usual. She seemed to be rallying, yeah, I know, yeah. She 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 was talking. She was in and out. She was you know we were talking. To her. She was in. She knew the day that they had, and, and but she didn't know the day. She was talking to us. Yes, you know, we the pressure was off there because we thought she was coming around, and she was taken out to the CUH, and I said, "Follow up." Then with the case, with the, with just a little baggage, just a change of clothes for for. Just, you know, baby, man, just need like to be fresh enough. Yes. And um, so I went down to the CUH and waited there. Just, and um, I got the phone call in from a male nurse and said, and fiance, he was fantastic. You had gone home at one stage, at some stage? Oh, no, no, I was out there. I stayed out there. I, we, okay. I, this happened, sorry. I'm, this happened at 11 o'clock on Wednesday night, 11 p.m. Yeah. So I followed, I went out just after the ambulance. So I got out there. They just well, well up the north side, so it's not too far over. So about maybe half eleven, quarter to twelve, we got over. And I was inside, and uh, just outside the main doors of the COH or the ME doors. And I got the phone call, and I said, I look, says, I'm outside, so I'm actually here. Oh, see, I'm here? Yes, yeah, I. So he came out, and he brought me in, back into the, into a family room. So this. I was getting a little bit suspicious, though, at this stage, because no one did. I'd never have, you know, I mean, someone's at the claps and they just talk, they give you a few things and hold on, sit down, they'll be with you. Yeah. I brought it to the family room. And um, he says she's going to go for a scan, she's having problems breathing. So they're going out there today and they're putting down the, 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 oh, the pipes just to give her, to give her a chance to, to breathe, to take the pressure off her. Yes. And above us, it seems like in the town she could have been half an hour, 40 minutes. Were you, can I just ask you, were you in the family room on your own, Anthony? I was in, my, in the family room on my own. Because we, we, we thought it was like, well, ma'am, she'd be all right. You know, because with the, you know, with the restrictions in the CUH, we didn't want to be crowding it. Okay. Yeah. You know, we didn't yeah. want to be crowding it. Yeah. We figured like, okay, hand in the bag. Yeah, take care of it. And we got to see you in the morning. Um... Well, anyway, to make, a, to make a long story short, my God, she helped me. She killed me. You're, you're but, grand. You're yeah. grand. She'd be very okay. proud of you. But, oh, she was, uh, she was the best. But anyway, um, that chap came back. I forget his name, but if he's listening, he's, he, was, he was brilliant. And he said, look, she's having problems breathing. She's not breathing. She's not um, breathing on her own. She, they had the machines keeping her going. Because of the, it was a major brain hemorrhage is what she had. And they were sedate, not just um, give her a chance, you know, mm. well, for the for the extra. Mm. So he said, does she have any family? I said, she has. We poor kids. And you know, you don't be thinking outside the box. So I just said, I rang, I rang the lads. See, no harm if they were out here, right? So I was not. I I don't know what I was feeling at that stage. So I rang the lads. I said, look, come out. Mum's not great. Come out. And. He had suggested he had suggested to you that you should call them, is it? Yeah. Yeah. And like you know like when you're thinking family need you like if it happens yourself or your missus, you just you you just think of your kids. You know, you don't think of the out the, the outside relations, like brothers and sisters of course that not. she had. I understand, yeah. You know? Yeah. And I it was like after one, I gathered me twice and I rang one the lad one I rang I rang Jordan. Uh, that's my my second eldest. 
Als ze zeiden, ja, wat is dat? Get them to come out. Als ze zeiden, het is iets dat ze So I think so, right? So they came out, and I tell you something, and there was, they brought in, there was coffee, tea, they brought in the toast into the family room, and, you know, it was kind of, the last time I had that, no, no, it was when I was in the labor ward, but she was giving that to the kids. <laughs> you know that? And is it a boy and three girls you have, Anthony? Oh, it's, it's three boys and three boys and a girl. Three boys. Three boys and a girl. I was in, I was in for the three boys. I'm oh, sorry, I was in for the two boys and the girl. The last, my last fella, he's, he'll be 20 now next month. Like my dad came out to mind the kids. I'm sorry, I'm going to the subject. But my dad came out to mind the kids while I was up. And I, she wasn't that well, so I came home straight away. I made sure she was getting comfortable. But as she said, I was going to get out to the car park when, he, when she popped, when she popped on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I only missed, I only missed him by a couple of minutes. I know. Right? But you, are, you yeah. are right. In a scenario like that, you'd want yourself and your wife and the kids to be together. Nobody else matters. I understand oh, that. No, no one else matters. But anyway, my, my sister-in-law came up and... Um, you know, it. You know, they, 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 was, they, were, they were very good. No, in fairness, they were very good to us. And I say it would probably would have been around two o'clock. Now we were inside in the A and E, and we probably, I think, probably a trauma unit we were in. No, there was very little people inside there. I suppose it was a good thing. And we were being an old twelve. We were doing relays. Now there was about maybe ten of us inside in the family room. Yeah. But they'd done. We don't realize that we're leaving two in at a time, two or three in at a time. So we were in and we were, we were just keeping, you know, it was, it was a nice thing what they'd done. But um, I, we will imagine that they, they, they had, we, I'm imagining that at two o'clock she was gone at that stage. You know, she would have been, um, I suppose there was no, the, the brain wasn't reacting on account of the bleed, you know what I mean? Oh my and God. She, uh, she wasn't functioning for herself. And accountably, the it was she just what the stems weren't responding. And did they they had told you that it wasn't looking good? Is it or prepare for? They had told us it wasn't looking good, but they weren't telling us. You know what I mean? In a way, like as one of the nurses says, there's different stages. You know what I mean? They were preparing us, but there was different stages that we go through because if they told us straight up, it would have been too much to process. Mm. And I suppose, in a way, it was probably the best thing because we like when you go in, she would break. Like the machine was having us to breathe, and we would get. You know, she was still there. Like if you know Mary, like oh, we were waiting for. She just said, "By the way, there's the one eye to open, and the way she looked. It's like yeah, for Sally. Oh, by the way, she might look at that. We had, I'm sorry though for talking, but this is this is the way we are. We're like I know, I know, and uh, I know. I it did. was just, it, yeah. it was just. It was just the way, you know, we're just waiting for the eye and maybe just, you know, she might use a few weeks of stay on home you know, why are you looking She'll at it? She'll be grand, yeah, what's going on oh, here, get out, what are you making such a she, fuss about? Oh, what are you making such a fuss, like, what's going on, like, you know? But, um, like, we were on, we were on site and then um, she was brought up then to the intensive care unit and we were only allowed two at a time going in there, but we were down the family room as well. And thank God for the coffee machine. I know. <laughs> I spent I spent the night on that because that brought me back to when she went in the twin, when she had the first lot of when she had the first aneurysm. She'd had an aneurysm twenty years ago, of course. 20, 20, 29, yeah, 29 years ago. She was only twenty one at the time, and we want um, 
we were engaged the year previous, we would have been married the following August. You know? So you must and, have um, met you must have met very young, like in your teens, childhood sweethearts kind of thing. No, no, no. I am accused of robbing the cradle. There was nine and a half years between us. She was nineteen when I started going out with her. Right. I was I was nearly I was nearly I was nearly twenty nine. But it was the only way I could describe her was like like we're going to end up buying a pair of gloves, right? And you can find that glove that fits the hand you don't want to let it go. Oh, sure, I know. A pair of shoes, something like that. A favourite oh, jacket. Oh, yeah. 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 Like a pair of sketches, no, you know, with a comfortable insult. You know what I mean? You just don't want to take them off. That's the, only, that's the way my relationship was. There was never anything to be proved. We didn't have to prove anything to each other. We could be in company. We might even talk to each other all night, but we're all, we were touching up against each other. In a way, in our, it was all weird. You know? And um, so we... That's a beautiful way to describe a relationship, Anthony. Oh yeah, I've I've been saying it for years. That's I've been saying that for years. It's 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 a unique it's a unique thing to have, and once you have that, you know what I mean. A lot of people are walking on relationships. You don't have to walk on relationships. It's be just it's just be it's you have the glove. You don't need to change it. You know, but um, and. No, uh, so she got, after so she's in intensive care at at, at that stage. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you, I mean, they're they they up to the ICU unit, right? And they get to the care unit, and um, like the I was one of the nurses. She kind of slipped the child about to be talking about organ organ. Um, oh dear! Yeah. Like, I didn't hesitate, mate. I didn't hesitate. It was something I always wanted to do for myself anyway, you know? Yeah. And I didn't hesitate. I said, no problem. Since I, if she passes, we'll go ahead with that. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And did she, did but, she, did she slip away then, was it? Oh, she was gone. Uh, she was gone. At, she was, I said, when we were in there, she, she wasn't breathing. I know what, on my, her brain, her, she was clinically brain dead. But they weren't telling us that. Right. Right. She was clinically gone. I, I, it might it might sound a thing to say. I don't like you uh, that she was actually she was gone at that stage. Yeah, no brain activity. It's it, 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 no, but exactly. That's that's it. That's it. On the head, I couldn't think of that. But it was like she was she, the machine. The machine was keeping her going. It was like as if she was asleep. You know what I mean? And does there and come it, a point when they ask you about that machine? Then they told us about it earlier. That there's there's certain procedures to do, right? And I can understand because they're giving, the, they're giving, they're actually giving the person a chance just for the swelling to go down. But sometimes they, they 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 do get a reaction. You know what I mean? They, they, it, it, but as um, when the doctors came into it, we had a meeting at three o'clock about in in the just the family and um, in the family room next next to the ICU, and uh, he came in and he said, "Look, I'm after doing the first test." She's not responsive. Uh, there's something they call it a stem test. There's certain um, things they go through. Yeah. And um, you know, there's another colleague of his. It's like you say, it's a second opinion. So he go through the same, and it's when he's when he finished. That's when we get the legal time of death. You know. So we were. We, it's no one should go through it, but like the. At the at the at the uh, at the time when he said what the, what 
when the other doctor came in and gave us the nurse came in and gave us the time. I would say why they give us the time for brand music, you know, an awful lot. She passed away at about three forty on Thursday after early or Thursday afternoon. And um they were, there was another nurse then there's a brave a bereavement nurse as well outside her. She was very good to us. They were doing us all the worst that were good. And they were telling us what was happening and that they were getting the paperwork ready. I said, Look, get the paperwork ready. We'll, we'll get started on the paperwork because with the organ donations there was a team came there was um a team came down from Dublin and there was a, a nurse came down was, uh, yeah. I think there was a nurse came down with him she's an uh, um, um, an organ coordinator I think they call him but she's totally there then for Mary right she's not to do with the doctors and nurses her priority was to take care of Mary right and they were coming out from Dublin they were supposed to be down at 4 o'clock but it was shocking weather there towards the night there towards the morning so I got a phone call saying that they won't be down until 6 yeah which which gave us an extra couple of hours in bed, like, you know, because I don't even think we were sleeping or eating properly, you know. And um, we, my, my daughter then, she's left, we haven't left each other's sides since all this, since, since the... Um, Last Wednesday night, the Thursday. hit the fan, like. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and do you mind me asking, what organs did Mary donate? Um, Neil, I'm... I read the book, so I know, I just, I read the book on the organ donations, right? I don't want to say too much about what organs were donated. That's fine, but isn't it a wonderful thing? No, 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 I know what organs were donated, right? But just, I just want to protect the person, and I want to protect the person who got the organs. And do you take consolation from that, that she would help to save other lives? She's out there. That's the only story I would just, just peek me by, so she's actually, we... She's out there. She's someone else is getting a chance, you know. It's 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 a good it's a it's a good feeling. Yes, yeah. you know that her life her life wasn't wasted. But Anthony, how oh, will no. you how will you cope without her? You described her so beautifully and the relationship that you had together. Um, she was only forty nine. I mean, two yeah, in two sure. days' time, she'd have had her fiftieth birthday. Yeah, her fiftieth birthday. We were meeting up on Saturday nights. I had the cake and all ordered. You know what I mean? I'm going to hit with this. And it was only the other day my daughter was saying about the 50th balloon. I said, you know, the balloons with the 50th on it. And I was saying, no, you can't get that for the grave. But no, you understand what you wanted for it for Saturday night. So you're going ahead, you had the cake ordered and everything, and there was going to be a 50th birthday party. Yeah, no. And how will you cope? I I don't know how I'm doing it. It's. Thursday was an emotional. The only way I can describe it now was uh, was a roller coaster. You were high where you were one minute you're in good mood and then all of a sudden you're down and you you have no control of what. You're a blabbering idiot. That's what you're becoming. And it, it was that all day Thursday. Everybody was feeling it. No, I have a sister. My sister-in-law. She was Mary's older sister, right? And Mary's older sister. She's. She's a very special lady. She's, I don't want to be insulted to the lady. But she's a very special woman. Right? And what she does... Brita kept us in... She was the right woman at the right time. Plus she kept our score, she kept our spirits going. Right? Yeah. And it was like... It was, it was, it was, she could be annoying at the best of times. But I tell you something. On, on Thursday, she was the medicine that we needed. 
And how are your you know kids? What? How are your kids coping? The four kids. They're um, adults now. I'd say they're grown up now. I'd well, imagine. Yeah, David's twenty six. Jordan's nearly twenty five. My daughter Nicole, she's only twenty one. There, during the summer, and um, Kyle, he'll be twenty this next month. So it's well, we're trying to watch over each other. When there's we know that deep down inside that the, the tempers are going to come up. We can see the tempers, and we're just biting each other. We're biting our lips for each other. Sorry for the the people who can't get in and get their kids, right? Or sorry for their babies and things like that, right? But it's a very very minuscule thing to go through because a couple of days there, they can they they have their whole lives to get to know this child, mm. okay? Right, the things like that are, it's crazy. But that person's that that little that little bundle of joy that's going home. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just it's just kind of. Just get, get the priorities right. It's, it's a, a tough time for everybody, but at least they're at least their little bundles coming home. Oh, listen! An experience and, like you've just described will stop everybody in their track. Um, anybody oh, that yeah. are listening to this, there, you know, I like. But it also seems to me as if every single person and staff member that you came upon the A and E to oh, all the different boy. areas of the hospital, one was nicer than the next. Oh, I swear to God, it was unbelievable. But my, me, we, we, we went home early Friday, and, uh, I don't even know what day of the week we had it. We went home Thursday night, the quarters were on Friday. And myself and my, my Nicole, we were out there, uh, we were out there, say, about half, three, quarter, four. And we were there for the last four hours until she went down, right? But what the coordinator had done for Mary, right, was her music, right? And. Her music? She was, her music. What they done, this is, this is the beautiful, most beautiful thing they done. While Mary was, while they were taking the organs, they said they had the music, the, the speaker was up in the upper by her ear, so she could hear the music. You know? It was... Was it her favourite song they played? Or, or? They played all, any of her favourite songs and things like that. That woman... Stayed, and there was two other nurses there as well. They took ex- they took very special care of Mary. And were you there, and you heard the music playing and everything? I was. I didn't know what this was on inside. So do, do you know what I mean? Do you know what they what What was her favorite song? Do you know what they played? Oh, she was in fear. She she loved Chris, she was Christina Aguilera. Um. Oh, what's that other girl there? Uh, Whitney Houston would have been one of her favorites. And um, would you would you have caught her around the house singing Whitney Houston songs? Well, she, well, she, you wouldn't catch her singing, having a man. She'd hear buds in, right? And you go up and she, you know, she'd hear, she'd hear, she just had the earphones and she just kept her own music private to herself, like, you know? But she was, like, we, we bought, like, the, the Titanic or Celine, um, I can't think of what I know. Celine Dion. Celine Dion, yeah. That's Celine Dion. She sang Celine Dion's, um, The Heart Will Go On. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, that was. And it, isn't it very? Isn't that amazing? Because when you talk about organ donations, the heart does go on. Do you know what I mean? And the but that, that's that's what one of the family members had said. Like it was, it was the heart does go on. And it's it's amazing. Like she was amazing. She was an amazing woman. Like you know, 
She's going to be missed by everybody, and not only by by people who knew her. She, she was she was well known by a lot of people, and a lot of people are shocked by what's going on. Like your description of your relationship with her and the love that she had, and you know, it's just incredible. I've never heard anybody put love like that before. It's just you know, and I know you're saying it from the heart. You, you talk about the comfortable glove that fits, the fact that you didn't always have to talk. It was like almost telepathic. It was just oh, yeah. a natural yeah. thing. You were meant it to was. be together. Yeah, yeah. It was, like, we, we have, like, they have a couple. We have our ups and downs. Like, there's what, what couple don't, don't fight, you know? Sure, of course. And, and, um, we, like, we, like, we, 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 the thing that solved the argument, there was no one said sorry, right? Just want a cup of tea, love. <laughs> or, no, or she might get up, look, I'm making a cup of coffee, do you want a cup of tea? That was, yeah, a, that was the peace, that was the truce, wasn't oh, it? That was, that was the truce, <laughs> because there was, like, no one was right, no one was wrong. And no grudges so, were held. I don't know what the coach has been held. <laughs> <laughs> she might file it away for another time. <laughs> you see, with Mary, with you, you see, with Mary, with that, with Mary, had the fuck with Mary, Danielism, right? And her short-term memory was affected, right? And there, you you think you get away with murder, right? But twelve months down the line, after the conversation, she'll bring it up word for word. <laughs> like I couldn't get away with anything. But you she know? may she may have had a short life, but I'd say she had a very happy life with you and the children. Oh yeah, you see, not only that, no, but my my sister Lawrence, they're old, and the fourth, like they're going, they're going through hell as well, because only about a year ago they buried their mother, right? And um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm there. Yeah, every minute. Oh, yeah, what you're saying, yeah. There was a team up on the race on the phone, but they only buried their mother a year and a half ago, right? And they are they're very raw at the moment. I know, I know. You know what I mean? I know. So like they're going, they're going through hell. And for and for Mary's fiftieth, will you all be together at the weekend? We will be. We're still going ahead, and we we're only talking about that there on Monday night. On the Monday night, just after the team. I get into the golf, right? She hates golf. I mentioned that for the side in the house, and it's like as if I I I, was, I just I closed the room like. You know, none of them to listen to it, right? <laughs> but I, I'm saying that I'm going to wear. I, I'm, I just crazy outfits, right? And I'm, go, and I'm just going to do it on, on Saturday night. No bright, no, no black holiday. I said no black holiday, and I'm just going to do it. A celebration. Because I know, I know it's an upset, and that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> it's just my way of having a little joke on the I night. Know, I know, but did you get to say goodbye? I mean, or we did. did. Oh, we did. Myself and Nicole, um, we said we got we got to say goodbye. That's why we went out there. Like you know, we just kept our company to when she went in down down in for the when she went in for the operation for the for the organ on this the organs to be taken. And um, difficult thing to say goodbye to somebody like Mary. Oh, I it's was a blubbering, fo- I was a blubbering fool. You know what I mean? Nicole was like that as well. We were we were, we were both. Bed, right? So we turned away from the door, and I actually, you know, sometimes then you step on your lace and you open it, right? And I went down to, I mean, I mean, used to try my lace, and I just turned out to just getting old. It's, it's getting old. It's a terrible thing that happens to anybody. And we both just looked at each other, we both just bursted out laughing. 
you know. Nervous shock. Yeah. Well, do, do you do you rec- I mean, do you recall your last conversation with her? Oh yeah. I take an extra couple of chips out of your bag there, love. That was what, that was the last few words I said. It was after eating earlier on that night and she, there was a um, fish, fish supper came up. So I took half Nicole's fish and I took a few chips out of me, ma'am. Out of me, ma'am. Out of me. I always got, when she's right now, I always got out of me, ma'am. But I take a few out of Mary, Mary's box and just made a sandwich, you know? Sharing oh. everything. Sharing oh, everything. Oh, sure. Um, well, I was, I was more or less, ta- I was, I was taking the food, but she was one of those hiding the chocolates when they found out the other day. There was a pack of whisper bells came out of nowhere there the other day, and I think it was... Tell me about it. I, I, I was caught, I was caught uh, hiding a, a packet of chocolate chip cookies last week, and there was murder when it was found, half eaten. I thought I had him in a good place. You can never put him in a good enough place, though. So you can't. Oh no, no! I know. I always say the best day to hide the best day to hide stuff is clean, is in plain view. Plain sight. You know, ah, but she was. You know, she's. I went. Mean, I went mean, to grave up twice yesterday, and there's. It's, I know no people might say it's been morbid and things like that, but it's not. It's like the first going out there yesterday morning. You know, it was a little bit strange, you know. But I went up in the call then yesterday afternoon, and. It was way better, right? It was, it was comforting. But do you not feel you know? any bitterness to the world or to whatever that you would be taken at forty nine when you were so meant for each other? You know something? I'm... No, I don't. I'm looking at the fact that I had twenty nine years extra. I had a beautiful twenty nine years. Yeah. You know, that, you know what I mean? I, I would, I, I, she's in my life for 30 years. We've been married 27. Well, when I say 29 years, it was, for 20, it was from the time that she had the first aneurysm. You know? So I'm taking that as a bonus. She could have gone back then. You know? Yeah. And every year, there was, every moment that she was in my life, was, and that little bit extra time he had. After the aneurysm 20 years ago, it was every yeah, day and yeah. every week and every year was a bonus. And... Well, the boys. No, I wasn't looking at it that way. It was just, it was just merely to me. Like, you know what I mean? You know, she was. You know, I be, I used to be slagging the hell out of her. You know, like you know, I always said, I used to always say to people, you know, she doesn't want, she won't leave me. She doesn't want to see me happy with any other woman. <laughs> you know, she even, she's after robbing me at that joke, and that was one of, the, that was one of my good ones. You know, <laughs> no. I, know, I, know, I know, I know, hate us, but um, I know it's. It, it, it was just somebody. It was just kind of just a crazy, crazy just, few days. Though. It's tragic. It really and truly is. Um, yeah. I, I hope mean, you'll. I hope you'll it, cope going forward. You have a lot of happy memories of your times together, and of course, oh, yeah. they'll never, yeah. they'll never diminish like those memories. No, you see, I'm. I'm Mary's mother was was bedroom for the last twenty five years, and Mary was very devoted to her mother as well as the other three girls as well. Like you know, yeah. it wasn't just one of them. The four of them, they were all devoted to each other. They were all family oriented. And, um, and of course, then there's our uncle across the road. Mary asked her father when she was very young. And there was the three uncles across the road. Now, she's after burying two of them, and there's one uncle, she's one uncle, you know, Peter, right? Like, what well, Peter wants, Peter gets. So and, 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 and also, I think she probably would have loved grandchildren, wouldn't she? Oh, she was egging on the kids. Like, like, she she wanted grandchildren. Well, she listen, if, and if they and if they arrive, and please God, some will. You'll you'll do that role for her and for you. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, most definitely. Like, like I'm, 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 we were, plan- I'm, we were planning to go holidays in the next September. Because there is no next. We were supposed to be going away this um, uh, Monday there for, for three nights. Was we got to Kilkenny, and um, I said to them, "Look, like it's going to cost. It's not the money, but obviously, look, we can wait to down to the Canaries. I'd be going down there for." Um, since 2006, they're not playing golf down there, you know? And there's a, a master falling with a beautiful bunch of people down there. And they're down there with their wife. And she would have fallen and she would have loved it down there. Yeah, and was she going to go? Oh, she was looking forward to it because she wasn't the one for planning, I called for mother. Even just going away for a day, she, she oh, kind of wasn't, wasn't comfortable, you know what I mean? I know, um, she was taken way too soon, you know, when you describe her as being such a was. giving, loving and person of her time. It's just oh, yeah, so tragic. Because what we were doing, as I said to her, like this is all. This is going to be all time now. You know, time that it was kind of a second chance at life. I suppose it's not, probably that. It was just all time, just me and her. But in spite of that, that time, your time in life been taken from you. You still regard every day and every week and every year as a bonus and nothing but love, and you're not bitter. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Okay. That's where I'm. That's where I'm looking at it now, and it's it's like. Talking about it, no, it's actually helping me big time. Believe it or not, because I never want to go on the radio. I never have, and never, never was. You know. I don't know what Mary would make of it. Do you think she'd be mortified? I think she'd be very proud of you. And an expression of love as beautifully as you put it is just a, is just a wonderful thing. And it, it also oh, makes yeah. people sit up listening to this and take stock of their own lives and realize what's really important, what doesn't matter. You know. Oh yeah. Would you mind? Would you mind if I played her favorite song? You know, Celine Dion. My heart will go on. You know something though. There's one out there that we we we, we played at our funeral, right? And it's it's with Andrea Bocelli, the prayer. Yes, that would be Bocelli and Celine Dion, wouldn't it? It's it. Yeah, we pray, we pray, we um we played we that was played at the my 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 daughter and I would absolutely love that. And there's other, there's other members of the family. Before we go, Neil, yes, there's a person I had never met, and I only listened to last week. Right, the song "Remember Me." I've been playing that. Um, it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful song. Oh my God, it's yeah. massive. Yeah. Yeah, that I'm, was Le- that uh, was Leona uh, Birmingham's song you're referring no, to. Yeah, I couldn't get, the, I couldn't find figure that version. So we played the Christianity version um, when, when we were at, when we were at the, um, when we were down the phone home um, after Rosary. It was just a family. Is that the first time you that. heard it? Was last week? Is it? I was the first time I paid any notice to it. If the truth was to be known, it's probably the first time I paid any notice to it. I thought it was an absolute. It was beautiful. And what I done was um, when the, when when um, everybody was gone and it was just us and the family and I just thought it was an appropriate time. I just put it on. It was actually fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I took an offer. She helped me in a way. A total stranger, and I totally appreciate. I hope she's listening to. Her. I hope she's listening to me because it means a lot. Yes. Okay. Okay, she'd be delighted to hear that. It's, a, oh, yeah. it's amazing how, you know, other people's stories and sharing of oh, stories yeah. can give strength. And you got strength from, from Leona last week, oh, going, yeah. th- going through your yeah. own tragedy and sadness. Oh, she was, she was, I can just imagine the hell that she went through in the hell afterwards. 
with organs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We were asked there with the organs. Um, no, I know if there was, see with the organs, eh, we were asked, did we want the organs back or did we want the organs disposed of? Right? And what we want, I said, we want the organs back. Because I saw the formula for the organs to come back. They were, they were, they were put up, what they didn't take was, was given back to us. Yes, yeah. Yeah. You know and I mean? the rest then were donated to so help save others. What they what they what what they what they took. There's, 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 I can't say too much about what they about what went where or who got what, because I don't know who got what. No, you and, and you and I don't think you do know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just want to protect both both poor families and um, the person that got us right. I wish him. I wish them well. I should have said that. I wish him well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There may be a time in later years that you may meet that person. I know that has happened. There's an option. There's an option on the road for contact to be made. Right. Yeah. Now, if that person wants to make contact, they have to make the contact, is it? And if they want to make that contact, yes. If they don't, I can understand it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And um, if that happens. It's, it's just, if that happens, yeah, it, it would be a lovely just, thing. Oh, yeah. It's just that there's a person out there that they, 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 their family will go through hell as well. Like, one family's after getting something good out of this. And that's the main thing. Well, listen, um, look after yourself. Look after the kids. Um, if you have, the, you have our 50th on, is it Saturday night? Well, yeah, it's out of me. It was, it was planned for, even though it's our birthday's on Friday, but we're, um, we're just having a small gathering. You know, it just, it's just a celebrate her life. And Daisy, you know, it's, it's, it's a first. It's a first. I don't know if it's another first, but it's a first so quick. Oh, my God. It's, only, only a, it's only a matter of days. Absolutely. It's only a matter of days. You know what I mean? So there's no, no black. Well, here's right, the here's right, the yeah a celebration of her fifty years there thereabouts. Yeah. Well, here is here is the song that made you know such a huge difference to you last week, following my conversation with Leona Birmingham, and it was her song for Baby Lee, and and let us play it for her again, but also for Mary, your your beautiful wife. Absolutely, no need, perfect, absolutely right. perfect, and. And thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. All right, Anthony, look after yourself and the. It was just hard, you know, love was great help. All right, my man, mind yourself, all right? Thank you. Remember me whenever you are blue. Remember me when there's no one holding you. it through. Remember me and I will be with you. Remember me whenever you're afraid. And when you lose your dreams along the
Remember me and I will be with you. Remember me whenever you're afraid. Remember me if there's someone in my place. Anytime you feel like you can't make it through, remember me and I will be with you. And of course, last week we played that for Leona and for Glenn and the beautiful son Lee. And this morning we do likewise again for them, but also for Anthony and his beautiful wife Mary. Back after the break, text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And if you have your own stories to share, you can email Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Very quickly, Paul Byrne, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. A breaking news story this morning uh, regarding a taxi driver. Paul, good morning. Good morning, Neil. This is, uh, as I said, you said there, it's breaking and uh, the details are somewhat sketchy. But what I can tell you is that a taxi driver was held at knife point earlier this morning after dropping a passenger, uh, I believe, in the area of Ballyvalan Fire Station. It's unclear where he picked up this man. The taxi driver in is his 60s. The attacker is described as being in his 30s, uh, dirty looking, low size and dirty, wearing a dirty white jacket. Now, the taxi driver, I understood, uh, I understand, had stopped to leave the passenger out. And before he knew it, this culprit who was in the back of the car put a knife to his throat and started to demand money. It's unclear whether the attacker got away with any money or not, but I know that the taxi driver has been extremely shaken. It's frightened and is in this complete state of shock. My understanding is that he's currently talking to detectives at Watercourse Road Garda Station, giving them as much information as possible. Uh, Garda, of course, will forensically examine the taxi. They'll also be examining CCTV once they establish where the fare was picked up and the, um, the, the route he, he, the driver took. But uh, you can just imagine, I know the taxi driver was talking to some colleagues um, a short while ago and he said, look, it's just frightening to think yeah. that they're out there. He's a man in his 60s, you know, trying to make a, a crust, earn a crust, to make a bread, bit of bread and butter. Uh, he's in his 60s and someone would put a knife to his throat at this time of the morning. Did he get money and run away with money or do you know? It's unclear. Um, I, I have no understanding of that, to be honest with you. As I said, it's only happened in the past hour or so. Uh, details are somewhat sketchy. But, um, w- you know, the, the, the frightening fact is that somebody was carrying a knife. Yeah. This guy is in the 30s and decides to put it to the throat of this poor man who's out there trying to earn a living today. Do taxis and, have uh, cameras in them? I, probably not. Some, 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 try, some cars do have CCTV cameras inside. I don't know whether this one will or not. But as I said... The guards will, of course, be examining the CCTV. They'll find out where the driver picked up this fare, uh, the route they took, and where he actually stopped off eventually. There is a lot of CCTV in and around the city, and hopefully that will uh, help the, the investigators in, in this case. But, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, but it, it's probably a situation where this guy is in his 30s, doesn't give a damn about life or anyone. He could have been coked out of his head, possibly, you know, on, on gear, and uh, just desperate for money. And these people, when they're short of money, if, if they are feeding a drug habit, they resort to all um, tactics. And gone on, you know, when you think of it, don't, like, taxi drivers take an awful gamble, don't they? Every single fare. They just literally have no idea who's every getting Every single fare. 
Every There's single no affair, idea. whether it's a man, a woman, or a youth, you just don't know who you're picking up. And these guys, I, honest to God, and girls with the drivers out there, I have great admiration for them because, yeah. look, they take people home, yeah. you know, like in, in all um, conditions. Yeah. And, you know, like when they refuse someone, I suppose, they, they get their sense something. These are well... Um, they have to make a call every single time. They're exactly. not going to get the call they, right every they, time. They've been dealing, yeah, they've been dealing with the public for many, many years and they know nine times out of ten, they know who's dodgy. But sometimes, you know, the tax drivers really, they, they are hard-pressed at the moment. I, you have done so many stories. Mm. I have done so many stories on drivers who go out there at six o'clock in the morning, be around one o'clock, they'll be lucky if they have a tenner in their pocket. That's the reality of it. Paying for their juice and yeah, tax yeah. and insurance. So, you know, sometimes they just have to say, Christ, I'll have to take a chance on this guy and pick him up Correct. or take a chance on this girl. Correct. And, and, and unfortunately, this guy, the driver, probably made the wrong call today and, you know, look... Thank God he wasn't he's, injured he's, anyway. That'll come as some consolation, no, but he is saying. shocked. You know what? Yeah. Money is a small thing in one sense. Thankfully, he's, he's safe. He's sound. He's an extremely shaken. Yeah. He's talking to the detectives at the moment. More, of course, wrote. he's giving them as much information as possible. But just a, just a quick one then again. This guy, the suspect, is described as being in his 30s, low size, uh, very dirty looking, and also wearing a dirty white jacket. So I suppose any taxi drivers on the run this morning should be careful and on the lookout for someone matching that description. You got it. Thanks, Paul, as always. Very fast to share with me. Thank you for that, Paul Byrne, Southern Correspondent with Virgin Media News. 60-year-old taxi driver held at knife point only a couple of hours ago. Lines open at one 106 We're back after 11. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7am and wake up your weekend with music, chats and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. Back to the phone lines we go. Rather extensive uh, text from Aidan, but thankfully we've got an opportunity to chat with them. Aidan, good morning. Good morning, Neil. William, before 11 o'clock there, or indeed just after 10, was talking about uh, being in the CUH for about a week now, a glandular fever, and feeling that he was being sent home on his own too early without anybody to mind him. Is that what prompted your text? It was, yeah, because, um, you know, straight away I said to myself, you know, he's been sent home and he still hasn't been cared for. You know, he's, he, he sent him just still there, so why even send him home? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, his, that's, his, that's his worry. I hope they work it out for him so he's not at home, unable to fend for himself. That, I mean, I think he might mention something like, if I were to chat with him again, I think he was going to talk about the possibility of respite. But um, tell me about your own situation. Well, I, I have a girl at home, 15 years of age, and she was inside the CUH approximately two months ago for the bonds of a week. And they never pinpointed what was wrong with her. And they still discharged her. You know, not knowing still what was wrong with her. And she's now at home with, in severe pain, waiting for a return appointment to a clinic in the CUH. There's, there's been no appointment forthcoming anyway. You know, and as I said, they discharged her without even a, a discharge letter for her own GP. Uh, her own GP can't even determine what's going on with CUH. And who's dealing with the pain? The pain, the, the daily pain, she, or pain relief she's on is um, anti-inflammatory cream. That's it. You know, so like, like, like she can't go to school because she can't carry her school bag or anything. You know, so, you know, it's it's ridiculous what's going on inside CUH at the moment. You know, they're, they're massaging numbers there. 
by sending people out the door and not treating them properly. Like my own wife was inside there two years ago where they tried to tell her that she had a kidney infection when, in fact, she didn't have a kidney infection at all. When she was transferred over to the Maher Hospital, she was diagnosed with a totally different symptom altogether. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's ridiculous what's going on the UH. Are they under pressure, I wonder? I don't know. They can be under pressure because my wife has been trying to bring this clinic and I'm just UH for the last two weeks and the secretary won't even pick up the phone. They don't answer? Is it the particular clinic that you're looking yeah, for the appointment with doesn't answer, answer the phone? Won't answer the phones inside there. You know, and that, that this this isn't just our situation because I have another friend whose wife is inside in hospital at the moment and she's in there for early labour, you know, because the child tried to come early. Yeah. And the, the treatment that she's enduring is... It's deplorable. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's not, it isn't even related to treatment. You know? So, as I said in my text message there, there's a program on Sky at the moment about Nurses Australia and the level of professionalism and the efficiency that they're running a hospital at is second to none. Like, uh, I'd urge every medical person in the country to watch this program to see how a hospital should be run because what's going on in this country is an absolute disgrace. You know, people being tossed out of hospitals just to massage numbers. But you know that a, you know that a nurse doesn't make. A, you know, you talk about a nurse. A nurse makes absolutely no call whatsoever when someone is discharged. That's not their call. Oh, I know. Yeah, but, but even this program that I'm watching, there, like to see the nurses and doctors all be happy about going to work every day and to say that they love their job. Like we, we don't hear of any good reports, little if none, coming out of CUH in particular. You know, every, what every about, but, about but what about what about all of the heavy lifting and hard work they did in the last twenty months? The nurses, the doctors, the surgeons, the porters, the cleaning staff, the catering—everybody that rode in behind COVID when people were very, very sick in the hospital. Um, but go back, go back to the numbers, Neil. Go back to the numbers. The amount of people that were inside the hospital were only COVID patients. Where, where was the rest of the people? They were all at home. They, they couldn't get appointments. No, because the idea was, uh, listen, I, I don't want to go back into the history lesson and I acknowledge that your daughter's in pain, but the idea going into COVID was that it was going to be an awful lot worse. They cancelled an awful lot of appointments and surgeries so that they could keep the hospital free and I suppose, yeah, I imagine clinically as hygienic as possible in the event of COVID. You know, that was one of the reasons why many appointments were cancelled. Well, what, what's, what's their excuse to, to see you in here at the moment that they want their partners in there? They, they have no excuse. But I, their, their excuse is, like, if you had a loved one inside the hospital tomorrow, if, they were sick. No, I have no... If you were inside there, try, and you walk up to the nurses and doctors and say, look, my wife or my son or my, my daughter or whatever is in pain here, you're an issue to them because you're able to speak for that person. That, that person's the same bed, can't get out of bed. They can't approach a doctor or a nurse. So you're a problem to them if you go up and start asking them questions. That's why they don't want to in the hospital. But that's that's because you're assuming that when you're not there, that your loved one or your daughter or your wife or whatever isn't being cared for. And I must assume that they are being cared for. For sure, we all know that they're not getting the level of care that they should be getting. Yeah. You know, like, like there's, there's been plenty of people ringing you in, Neil, and saying, 
that their mothers or their fathers were inside in hospital. Like you, you've had a certain amount of scenarios where people can't even get to speak to their, their mothers or whoever's inside in the hospital. And it's, it's happened on your radio station a couple of times where you've had to intervene and try and get in touch with the hospital and get somebody, a nurse or whatever, to turn on their mobile That's phone. That's right. I, do. I remember that. Yeah. I hope to God we've moved well on from those days. We, we haven't. We no. haven't. It's, it's still in a dire straight the way things are being run inside in CUH. And CUH is only one of the hospitals where this problem is going on. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous, the level of care in this country. As I said, if, if anybody in CUH is listening at the moment, go and check out this program. It's called Nurses Australia. Yeah, but, that's a, it, but that, that, could be, that could be a highly edited program, you know? It's like, um, you want to be careful about watching shows like that as to how actually... And anyway, Australia is... If you look at what Australia went through in the last year and a half, that's, you know, they... they they're no fairy tale story that we should be looking towards whatsoever. You know, they got it all wrong. Made a complete mess of it. They, 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 deleted, they, they dealt with their COVID situation a hundred times better than what this country did. How, how did they do that? So they can't even get people in the country vaccinated. They didn't even want to vaccinate it. They had a completely different story and agenda and it failed. They, they, they couldn't even do the track and tracing here properly. Whereas in Australia, somebody tried to say that they got a COVID uh, they got COVID inside in some restaurant and it was traced back and they said, no, you couldn't have got it here. You know, so they, they, they dealt with it a way better than what we did. But that's, that's besides the point. Isn't it? And also, it could also be said that a lot of the Australian uh, nur- hospitals and nurses that you're referring to could well be Irish, that we lost to them, or our fine nurses that went there or had to go there. And why, why did they go, Neil? Because they won't pay them here. It's as simple as that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it comes down to you know. Oh, listen, I understand. I can. I understand why you would be frustrated. You have a daughter in in pain who was um, discharged. I think you said seven weeks ago, and is still in pain, and you're witnessing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Like you know, they they sent her for physio, and they physio for a, a condition that they don't even know what she has. You know, what's that? Is that just like brushing something? And have you any head? idea what's causing the pain? No. No, they have no idea that. But this is it. Like she's supposed to get a return appointment. We can't even get in contact with the clinic to get a return appointment. As I said, they, they discharged her without a discharge letter for her own GP to look at. Now we went to our, our GP the other day about her, and he said, "Sure, I, I got no letter. I, I can't do anything until I get a letter back from the hospital." Oh yeah. She was she was inside in the same hospital last year. She went, underwent the medical procedure. Oh. Okay, and. The, my wife mentioned about the medical procedure that she underwent last year and they turned around to her and said, and said we don't have that on file. Is, that's, that's, that's an operation and they don't have it on file. Yeah, but that's more to do with the admin of the hospital or those that are running the different offices and departments, not the actual frontline staff, not the medics. But does, does that not tell you the level of efficiency and professionalism inside that. That has been criticised correctly in the past. I accept that. You are right in that regard. The hospital itself is, is, under, is coming under an, an immense amount of criticism. Yeah. It can't be just one or two people. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You can't keep blaming management for all of this all the time. It has to come down to the way it's been run on the floor as well. 
And, and yet, and you're a case history, a case in point of a daughter seven weeks in pain at home, in bed, not being able to move and out of school and all sorts of things and can't even get an answer from um, a, a clinical office for an appointment. Yeah, I can understand your frustration. Right. And, and, and not, not having her, not having her pre- previous procedures on file. Uh, the same scenario with my wife of two years ago. They misdiagnosed what, what was wrong with her. You know, like it's, it seems to be ongoing inside that. It's a case of all... Oh, as soon as they come in, let's get them out as fast as we can. Massage the numbers. It's all very well, but make the appointments to deal with the pain. But, they, but they're not dealing with it because they, it, it's a revolving door situation. People are going in, they're being misdiagnosed, they're coming back out again, and they're in there again another few weeks later. Yeah. So what are we doing? Only backing up the whole system. There's over 800,000 people in this country waiting to see a consultant. 800,000. That's like one-fifth of the population. Mm. Mm. You know, like one, like if you have a family of five, you're, you're, you're more likely you have one person in your family waiting to see a doctor in the NCUH or in any HSE department. That's that's ridiculous, that is. You know, it's worse, it's getting. That's you why know? the phone, that's why the phone isn't being answered, Aidan, because that would be yet another appointment that would be made and added to that list. Yeah, but they, they can't answer the phone in over two weeks. But it, 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 maybe they're not answering the phone because they don't want to be making any more appointments. Either way, they're looking here. What if what if it's a situation where it's a, a life or death situation, and they don't answer the phone? Would, would so, you would you think or would you accept it all? Is because they're swamped and overworked? I I wouldn't necessarily say that. Like, if you're going to see you here at the moment, I guarantee you, you'll see nurses and doctors, and most of the staff inside are walking around with clipboards of paper in their hand. You know, as I said, go back. And you think there's no purpose to them walking around with the clipboards, is it? Watch with all the paperwork. Like that, that was one of the first things I noticed about this hospital on TV the other night. That the staff will walk around with little or no paperwork in their hands. Right, right. You know, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I I wouldn't know exactly why, but I think they would need to have medical records and they'd have to document everything more so than ever now. You know, patients' history, their condition, their treatment. You know, sure, we're, we're, in a dig- we're in a digital age. What's, what's with all the paperwork? It's just constant paperwork after paperwork. My wife was in the hospital six years ago giving birth to another daughter of ours. And one of the nurses in the CMH at the time turned around. And I, because I asked her, I said, what's with all the paperwork? And she said, it's all about covering our ass. That's what, that's what it is, she said. So that's, yeah, because that's we, live in, we live in such a litigious society where people sue... But they, it's, we have a digital age. Why, why haven't they got, uh, like, a laptop? Your information is put on it. You know, like, a, a doctor comes in, he's got through all this paperwork looking at stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. I'll have a look. I will have a look at that show. I shouldn't criticise it in isolation, not having seen it. And in your defence, actually, fair play to Emer. She just, I think, feels that maybe I'm, you know, not being completely accurate or fair or balanced. She says they had um, 1,357 COVID deaths in Australia. 1,357 deaths. They had 116,000 cases of COVID in Australia. Their population, uh, yeah, I'll get to it. Their population is 25 million. So 1,357 deaths, population 25 million. We had 5,249 COVID deaths in Ireland and nearly 400,000 cases. And we have a population of 5 million versus their population of 25 million. So maybe they didn't do too bad after all. They're extraordinary figures, eh? When you, when you put it into 
per capita. You know, when you break it down to numbers, yeah, 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 yeah it's still extraordinary figures. But what we are enduring here, and as I said, the way the Australians deal dealt with it over there. Okay, let, yeah. let me see if I get more calls, texts, or other opinions on our conversation. But um, thank you for taking the call, and uh, I, I hope to God they answer the phone because nobody wants to be I looking so at too. nobody wants to be looking at their daughter seven seven weeks in the bed in pain. That's just that's cruelty. Yeah, I should. That's what we're dealing with—a cruel society. Don't answer yeah. the phone. All right. Thanks, okay. Aidan. Cheers. Thanks for the time. Thank no, you. No, listen, thank you for taking the time. Thank you for coming on air. Text 0868104106 if you have an opinion on that. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Uh, there are more and more people now coming off pop and going back to work. There are still people on pop payments, of course, but gradually, gradually, gradually it gets lower. Then you have another one, which is the EWSS support for businesses and this was um, a rate that was uh, given to businesses if they found that their business because of COVID had dropped in comparison to years gone by 30% if it was 30% down on the year before COVID they got grants from the state that's um, that's going to be whittled out now uh, for the likes of all businesses but amongst them of course hotels and guest houses and, and restaurants and things like that and I was just thinking about this because I think that it's kind of interesting because everybody's business has peaks and troughs and they have busy times and quiet times. And then you go into the, you know, the, um, the months of October and November and it, everything takes a dive. And then one would hope that in December with Christmas, businesses would find that they would start to pick up again. But if you were to look specifically at, say, hotels, guest houses, restaurants, bars and things like that, I guess the summer's been a boom for them. And, and, th- and I think business, I, like where I was going anyway, businesses were thriving. Now they had limited numbers and they got to adapt the outdoors and they got a grant for that. Some got three or four grand, some got a bit more to pin canopies and, you know, adapt the outdoors. And when the weather was decent, they made good money. But I, what I saw anyway was businesses that were absolutely rocking. But I was thinking there this morning that you'd imagine that, say, for instance, a hotel in Cork City, might do reasonably well across the summertime, but who'd be staying in a hotel come wintertime if it wasn't corporate and whether they're not the corporates and the business people are back or whatever. But anyway, more on that, I'm joined by Fergal Hart, who's the GM at the Kingsley, chair of the IHF Cork branch as well. Uh, Fergal, good morning. Morning, Neil. I don't know how well I summed that up. I imagine that the winter is kind of a leaner time, yeah? Yeah, you summed up very well, actually. it's um, that's, that's really what we're, that's the challenge that we're facing now. You know, it's, We've 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 gone through the summer and and um, it 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 has been you know some places have thrived and have done quite well and that's that's been sort of up and down across the country I would say but but certainly you know across the board now uh, facing into the next kind of nine months until we until we get to summer uh, twenty two you know there are going to be major issues there and major challenges for hotels yeah um, you won't quite hibernate but it will be quieter. It will be quieter, yeah. And um, in in the most recent survey there we did, you know, across the country for the for the IHS, um, the the occupancy figure is projected to come out at roughly about thirty two percent across the country for 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 this year. So, you know, what was it say in two thousand and say nineteen? Yeah, the last full trading year would have been 2019 and, and it would have been in the region of 73% there across the country. Wow. And, you know, for certainly for hotels like ourselves, you would get into the kind of high 80s as well. So, you know, that's it, it's, it's a pretty stark uh, situation. And really, until we see the return of, of, of corporate business, of international corporate business and, and international uh, tourism as well, which isn't really projected to come back at least until next year, if, if not the following year. Um, hotels are going to are going to be faced with with these challenges. 
But why wouldn't it? Why wouldn't it come back next year? I mean, why wouldn't it even come back sooner than that? You know, restrictions are lifted, and you know, um, people can pretty much fly from anywhere now. Is it? Yeah, is it that businesses and, and have taken a yeah. decision not to? Is it? Well, yeah, I think I think there will be with 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 the advent of of the kind of you know Zoom communications and Teams, etc. I think businesses have become more used to the, to that to that type of communication now. Of course, there will be that the kind of human interaction can never be replaced and, and we would certainly hope that it will come back to similar levels to what it was before but I think you'll probably see more kind of hybrid stuff you know where it's a, a mix of face-to-face meetings but also uh, interactive and uh, it may on, never come back as the way, it may never come back the way it was with regards to Zoom and remote working and things well, well, possibly not. You know, it's hard to predict that, but you know, we would certainly be very, be very optimistic that eventually it will return to, to similar levels to what it was previously. But you know, I, I think people's eyes have been opened a little bit as well that you know the the international travel may be reduced uh, to to some extent, and that's something that we're going to have to deal with. You're and, just and a consequence of the new world, unfortunately, in that regard, aren't you? Yeah, I think so. But I, I think hotels always adapt and you know that's that's a feature of the industry really and, and we've proven that across across COVID as well I think hotels that possibly in the past might have relied almost exclusively on, on corporate business for example have maybe adapted their services and, and, and made themselves more attractive to In, to, in to what way? Market. In what way? If it costs maybe 8 euro or a tenner for instance to clean a hotel room why don't you guys just slash your rates? Um, it's, it's, not as, it's not as straightforward. As Why? That, Why isn't it as straightforward? Otherwise, the room will be empty. Well, it, it's, it's, it's like anything else. You know, there's, there's, there's a value associated. It's, it's not just the, the, the cost of Fake cleaning value, the room. And, 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 and the, the cost of cleaning a room, by the way, would be a lot higher than, than, than what you just mentioned there. So, and, and really, there's a, there's a product there and there's a, there's a level of service that goes with it. And there's the reputation. And, and you know, there's an expectation, really, from guests that they will they will receive quality when, when they come to hotels. And in order for hotels to provide that quality, there is a level of investment and a level of Because within the hotel uh, room rate is the, is, is, is the staff wages and the running costs, you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and the same and goes the, for... You don't know what the, the profit on a room would be. Hotels, no, you don't, yeah, you don't know what the profit on a room would be. Would it be well, 10%, well, no, 20%? There's there's no there's no set rate on that you know I wouldn't I wouldn't like to quote a figure because it it will vary across the All industry right. no, it, fair will enough. it will no, depend no, no. on the type yeah. on the type of hotel and, and the market that it's that it's um, that it's being sold to and, and and the quality of service and and the different I suppose the different facilities and services that it offers as now well. When does the EWSS employment support grant say for for businesses end? Um, well, <clears throat> there's been you know there's a lot of speculation about that. There's no kind of confirmation on it yet. Um, I know it ends for businesses. Who, I know it ends for yeah. bus- like businesses who are out of the thirty percent threshold. You know those that are, are maybe right. you yeah, know that's right. Who, they're starting to come back that. a bit and and they're under thirty percent, so they lose it. But for everybody exactly. else, exactly, exactly. But for everyone else, yeah, the expectation is that it will certainly continue to the end of this year, and, and the IHS, you know, are, are calling for it to be extended well into next year as well, at least until June next year, really until. The, the effects of the pandemic have been uh, have been dealt with, and, and, and that we're not seeing the the um, the ongoing effects. As as I, as I just said, the the effects of the of the international tourism, for example, being you know basically decimated at least until next year, 
and the same for the corporate market as well. So, so that really those supports will be required for the industry. There's, there's no question about that. And we'd also like to see, you know, the, the, the VAT rate being extended to 2025 as well. to after The 9%. 9%. So would it be yeah. fair then, say, for every hotel or guest house or bar or whatever to, to stay and have the employment support money until such time as they drop below 30%? Income reduction. Yeah, you know, in, in, in our view, it would be. You know, I, I think that, that would be a very fair solution. And we're waiting to see what the government will, will come back with now in the, in the budget next week as well. But I suppose that, that really is, is the point. You know, the, the, the supports that have been put in place have been absolutely critical for, for the industry and they've kept hotels viable and, and, and you know, really, really kept people in employment during, during this period. And, but we're not really at the end on, on, until we, until we see the, the return of that international business and, and also the fact now that obviously the domestic market will start to open up and people will start to travel overseas. And that's completely natural because, you know, they'll, they'll be able to do it. But, you know, the impact on the hotels. Correct. Will, they won't be taking, the, well. they won't be taking staycations. They'll be heading back exactly. to the sun. Yeah. Are exactly. you having any, are you having issues with staff? That comes up on the air quite a lot with regards to trying to get people to work. Um, well, it's you know that that's been a challenge for us recently, and and, and certainly we're, we're we're doing a lot to try and counteract that. And, and I think hotels have done phenomenal work um, in conjunction with with the whole industry and with government and with with the colleges as well to try and make sure that that the pathways are there and that careers are are, are open to people and that people are aware of of the of the benefits of working in the industry. But is, you, are, probably, is the industry short staff? I mean, a lot of people we were very reliant on overseas labour, and many of them went home. Exactly, you know, and, that, and that's been a factor, and, and obviously, a number of those won't return, and, and you know, the, the, the international travel situation with COVID, and, and the fact that that visas and everything else were tightened up, all, all of that, you know, it's been a kind of a perfect storm there, I suppose, really, and it will take time to correct that and to rectify it, and I suppose that's another reason that those that those supports like the EWSS are so crucial to hotels because it allows people to keep you know it allows hotels to maintain their service levels and to, and to keep yeah. their restaurants open yeah. and to remain open themselves across the full week and across the winter as well and to keep those people in employment. But if if those supports aren't aren't there, then obviously hotels will be forced to reduce and cut back their services, and that then has effect has an effect on their local community and on on their business and on the numbers of people that they. Can Employee. Will you have uh, a, a, like a Christmas run? Do you think you'll have Christmas parties, for instance, office parties, people getting together, you know, Christmas gigs and things? Is that yeah, we're, 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 we're hopeful and we're seeing that, you know, I'm, I'm hearing that from local hoteliers. I'm seeing it here in the Kingsley. There's, there's huge interest and certainly people are, are anxious to, to get out there and enjoy themselves for Christmas. We're still waiting to hear, on the, you know, for the 22nd of October, I suppose, is the kind of deadline date that we've been hearing for a long time about the, about the regulations. And we're just waiting to see what, what the outcome of that will be and what we'll be allow, allowed to. Well, what do you to, need uh, to know? Social distance. What do you need to know? Social distancing will be gone. Well, yeah, exactly, but but also that we will be able to have you know large numbers of people in function rooms, and that there won't be any kind of percentage uh, reduction you know, or, or percentage um, capacity levels that we have to keep to as as it is at the moment. So all of that just has to be confirmed, and and, and we're looking forward. You know, hopefully, we're very optimistic that it that it will be, and that we'll be free to to take those bookings. And as I say, there's definitely demand there for people to 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 book them. So. You know, I, I think all of that, we're, we're, we're looking forward with great optimism, but um, there is 
there's still a level of uncertainty there until until we hear from from government as to what the regulations. Until are. you hear from Michael McGrath, have you spoken to him about it or anything, or picked up the phone um, as to what his plans? We're in touch. We're in touch with 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 uh, a lot of the, the local politicians, representatives, and everything else. And um, you know, but we are we are waiting to see uh, what what is announced in the budget next week, and also with for in terms of the twenty second as well as to what what will happen with the with the guidelines and the regulations. Okay, uh, actually, fr- friends staying in the in the Kingsley and he's going to be staying there on and off for, for about three months he tells me there's a great buzz in the Kingsley there's a lot of people around and it looks as if you're very busy that's great yeah no it's good to hear thanks very much and, and yeah certainly there's um there is a there is a good level of business here, and um, we are we are concerned for the winter months. There's no no question about that, and that's and that's being felt across the industry. But we remain optimistic, and as I said, we're we're, we're all flexible. We've we've all we've all um, put services out there, as you mentioned yourself at the start, Neil. There about takeaway services and click and collect and all of that. So the industry has adapted and has moved on, and I think a lot of that will remain. Um, so you know, hotels in some ways have, have improved probably, and and the level of services improved, but um, we will. We will need that support, I suppose, across the winter months. Okay, uh, people bear that in mind. Um, talk, talk to you soon, Fergal. Thanks for taking the call. As always, Thank cheers, Fergal Hart at the at the Kingsley um, regarding the employment supports. I suppose uh, to some extent, um, it's been very, very necessary. But at one stage or another, it will have to, you know, stop, and we'll have to just. Uh, I, I don't know. Will it be just a case of the survival of the fittest at some stage? That some will just inevitably close, and that could be pubs, that could be restaurants, that could even be hotels going forward, because it'll be a changed world coming out of this, particularly as people. People decide to go back to sun holidays and you see all of the advertising for 2022. Your thoughts on that? Welcome. 086-8104-106 by text. Back after the break. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Uh, they are saying, of course, and Stephen Donnelly and lots on the papers this morning are saying they were on track for October 22nd, but at one stage then he said that he wouldn't rule out any kind of reintroduction of restrictions across the winter if things got bad. But just chatting with Fergal there, it's a Friday. October the 22nd is a Friday. And all sorts of things like physical distancing will be gone or wearing masks uh, outdoors or in an indoor private setting. Now, imagine you have to wonder what is an indoor private setting. But anyway, there, there, there will be a lot of changes and amongst them will be the fact that also from October 22nd, you will no longer need to be presenting um, a COVID certification uh, or indeed the QR code anymore. So you won't have to be proving vaccination or immunity or testing as a, a say, a condition for gaining access to activities and events except for travel now that'll that'll remain in place there'll be no changes there but you know high risk activities they talk like um uh, like nightclubs being a high risk activity that restriction will be gone and they'll be back as well so there's a lot of different things will happen on October 22nd number people will be allowed to meet in private homes and gardens unlimited um, I think a lot of people probably have just kind of dropped all of that anyway in their lifestyle but the the limit on the number of people allowed to attend indoor and outdoor events dropped as well and the restrictions on religious and civil ceremonies they're all of the kind of things that will be gone so I imagine that to be honest with you people will start thinking and start looking at booking Christmas parties and events like that and office parties and work parties and so be it because you know that's uh, that's what they're entitled to do I mean October 22nd is um, a big change I mean there won't be any change with regards to if you test positive you still have to you know stay home from work and things like that and I think in some public buildings um, and indoor settings where the public are, like shopping malls and stuff like that, you'll 
have to wear a mask indoors in a supermarket for some time to come. But other than that, anyway, interesting email because we've been talking a lot recently and even this morning there were the taxi driver, 60-year-old taxi driver being held at knife point and robbed up at Ballyvillan by a fair. I just wanted to clarify and confirm that my partner was attacked on his way home from the pub about two years ago. He was nearly home when an Avensis car pulled up behind him, hit him over the head with a bar from behind, an iron bar. They danced on him and didn't even give him the opportunity to surrender his stuff, things he was carrying. Like, you know, they took his money from his pocket, but didn't give him an opportunity to give it. So they took money from his pocket and threw back his phone. He luckily woke up in his own blood and was alive. But for all they knew, they could have just left him for dead. When he contacted the guards, they knew who the people were with his description and had enough evidence to arrest them. However, just like your callers said on the radio, the guards said... If we arrest them, we must tell them why and who we are arresting them on behalf of. Hmm. With him living in the area, they said if they found out who he was, they would be hanging around the family door threatening us about going to court. And it could do more harm than good. And all of a sudden, you could be involved in a dangerous game as the family that we're talking about are well known to the guards. People are commenting saying people only get attacked when involved in trouble. Well, this was not the case whatsoever, um, and it was a completely unprovoked attack. This, believe it or not, is happening a long time now, and they say that they are as good as untouchable, this family. This needs to stop. Don't give out my private details. So why would, you're going to ask yourself the question, why would a family or members of a family, well known to guards, being involved in criminal activity, even still be on the streets? Why aren't they in jail doing time? taken off the streets. That is not Garda bashing, incidentally. I'm just asking, a, I think, a, a question people listening to will be asking anyway. Anyway, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back to the phone lines we go. Um, there's an awful lot of different ways, of course, that you can be taken advantage of or people engage in criminal activity, not just assault. Uh, and God knows the amount of times that I talk about online scams. There are so many of them in so many different ways, shapes and forms. Uh, Merle, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? And you got an email requesting um, payment. Uh, why don't you yes. ju- just delete that stuff? It's nonsense. Well, I did delete it and I did Good report it to Facebook well as done. well. But and where was I've it coming about, from? Um, they were coming from Facebook Marketplace. There was about four of them in the last What week. is that? Um, it's a, like a online kind of marketplace where you can buy and sell used items. Yeah, I know it. My son uses it all the time. And uh, God knows there's yeah. people out there would buy anything. Good God. Exactly. And we were clearing out the house selling a coffee machine. And so this I is Facebook. The seller, not yeah. the buyer. Okay, I'll come to that in a sec. But this is another of example of Facebook, um, you know, muscling in on the marketplace that would have been used by, say, done deal, buy and sell, stuff like that. Facebook yes. now is the place to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's, so what, It's fairly easy to, to buy and sell things on it, you see, and it's convenient for most people. You don't have to, you know, deal with a different website if you're already on Facebook. Gotcha. It's in your own page and everything in your own private site. Exactly. Setting. So yeah. what were you, were you buying or were you selling? I was selling. Um, I was selling a coffee machine and was contacted by multiple people interested in it. And turns out four of them were trying to scam me. Really? Yeah. And was there any genuine at all? There was one genuine buyer and she ended up getting it. Good. Um, okay. okay. 
So they, what was the patter like with the, the, just talk to me about the scam artists. What was their, uh, what was their modus operandi? Well, they were all, they start out all the same. They'll ask questions about the item. They'll seem genuine, but they'll be based fairly far away. Like the, the furthest was Rome in Italy. Which is just ridiculous. I mean, why would you buy a used coffee machine in, you know? <laughs> so exactly. you, smelled, you smelled a rat straight away with the Roman anyway. Oh, exactly. And then they'll, they'll <laughs> say, oh, I'd, I'd like to buy it, but I can't collect it. So I'll send a courier service to your house with an envelope. I mean, this gets ridiculous now. With an envelope of cash to pay for the item and then collect the item and bring it to them. Yeah, so you say to them, okay, do that so. When I get the cash, we'll talk again. Yeah, but they then send you, supposedly from the courier service, like DHL or UPS, like they, they'll fake the, the letterhead and everything. They'll send you an email requesting that you pay for insurance and collection of the goods, and then you would get the cash to cover that plus the item when it's collected. Ah, uh, yeah, so you have to you have to fess up with the courier charges first, of exactly, course. Exactly, yeah. And, and what, like, how much would that be around? 110 euros. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a bad whiff off this one, a really bad smell off this one. I mean, even, even the email itself was very clumsily put together. It was, you know, the spelling mistakes. Part of it was in French. You yeah, know, because they're trying to catch French people, you see, and English people, and Irish, and yeah. Americans, and Japanese, and Scandinavians, and all they want you to do is click on a link to a dodgy bank account, isn't it? Exactly. And, you know, once you've sent the money, sure, they'd be gone. You'd and never see them again. How did you respond then to the business of paying for the courier? Well, the first one I thought was just an older lady being a bit awkward, because her Facebook profile looked real enough. So I just said, you know, that's, that sounds a bit too complicated for my likings. I'm just, you know, I'd rather sell it in person to someone close by. And she was supposedly based in County Clare, but she was speaking in, like, broken French English. You don't have to worry about your money. The service will come to your home to pick up the package and hand yeah. over your money to you. Um, yeah. You said, I'm <laughs> not worried. I just said no, and that's that. Good response. Yeah, sure. Like, what else would you be saying to them? Because they'll they'll try and try and convince you. Do you think you know, people make you do, think that it's safe? But do you actually think that there's anybody out there that naive that they would follow this and believe it to be real? To be honest, Neil, I really hope not. But I've heard people have fallen for the scams of the guard are calling them in relation to, you know, them being warrant out for their arrest and you know sending their money to an offshore account and all sorts. So better safe than sorry in my opinion yeah and they probably send out hundreds of these a day and just wait to see who's gonna exactly even if they only get a couple of people falling for it they've still gotten those people yeah yeah no people do get caught i spoke to a spanish girl christina last month her entire life savings were wiped out i think something in the region of eight or maybe maybe 15 20 grand 17 grand it was yeah oh absolutely yeah i mean think about that yeah, think about yeah. that. But who in Rome would crazy. want to buy a second-hand... Who in Rome would want to buy a second-hand coffee machine in Cork and pay 110 euro courier fees? It makes no sense. It, exactly. And sure, with the first interaction, I, because it was... She was based in County Clare, I thought, okay, maybe. Maybe someone would, you know, pay for it to be collected from me. 
But not from a different country. No, not from a Surely different country. Surely not. So what happy home did it go to in the end? Um, it went to a lovely lady down in Bandon. And what are you doing now without a coffee machine? Sure, I don't drink coffee. Hence <laughs> the selling of the coffee machine. <laughs> Who gave you the coffee machine in the first place? It was a Christmas present. And <laughs> I was drinking coffee at the time, but I've since had a baby and I've laid off the caffeine. So, Is that for breastfeeding reasons? Um, that and just to get more sleep as well. Do you not miss freshly ground brewed coffee? God. Not really. No. Do you know I, I have to... Tea. It's the first thing. I couldn't function in the morning. Literally couldn't function. I look forward to it so much. Is that an addiction, do you think, to a morning coffee? Possible. I think that's probably, I don't know, it might be just more habit than anything. Yeah, it's just part of my morning routine. Exactly, yeah. Do you have any withdrawal symptoms or anything? No, no. (laughs) Sure, I wasn't drinking much coffee beforehand, but when I did drink coffee, I'd like a good cup of coffee. Yeah, and you know what? With a new baby, probably had no time either. Sure. The moment you sit down to relax, they're they're at you. All right. Well, listen. Let people be aware. That's the purpose of the call. That all of exactly. these scams are also happening on Facebook and the Facebook marketplace. Yeah, and just to let people know, if they come across that scam, just report it to Facebook and delete the people. Gotcha. Thanks for taking the call, yeah. Merle. Much obliged no to you. Worries. Cheers. Take care. Uh, can't come on. Been trying to sell a table and chairs. My wife put it up on Facebook Marketplace. We have people from Kildare. Galway, Essex and England all delighted to buy our crappy old furniture and pay top money to get it delivered. I twigged it right away. She took down the ad because it was just getting ridiculous. This is, as he describes, just a crappy table and chairs. They'll all show interest in it, you see, but the sting in the tail is they first want you to send them the money to pay the courier and you ain't never going to hear from them after that. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. With regards to uh, hotels uh, feeling the pain, uh, hi guys, I'm a former hotel accommodations manager and I can confirm that there's 88% profit in every bedroom. Don't give out my details. 88% profit in every bedroom. You don't mention whether it's 88% gross profit, you know, before costs and salary and all sorts of stuff are taken off. Or is that the net profit on every bedroom? Like you're taking 100% and you're deducting maybe the cleaning of the room and coming up with 88%, you know. But that's just the room rate left, 88% of it. After that then, don't they have lighting and heating and insurance and staff and food costs and everything? So maybe you might just clarify that for me. But thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, 88%. Uh, typical hoteliers playing the poor mouth and still looking for a handout from the taxpayer. While they price gouge on hotel room prices, which the public have come to the realisation of, that there's no value for money in Irish hotels, which is why people will go abroad next year for value. And all the while, they pay their hard-working staff minimum wage. That's a very, very critical text of the Irish hotel industry. Text 0868 104 106. Incidentally, please drive with care and slow down because you may or may not have seen the new speed cameras. Uh, thank you, Dan. He says, anyone seen the new speed cameras gone up on the Middleton turnoff, Carrick Tool turnoff, Cove turnoff, Carrick Tool village and more from the city to Carrick Tool speed cameras, loads of them. In fact, Dan says you could get 12 penalty points now in one day. You could get 12 penalty points in one trip, Dan. Private contractors put them up recent days. Anyone know what's going on? Be interesting to hear more about that, but be aware of it. Please slow down because you could find yourself in big, big trouble just on one trip if you're going too fast. Um, 
last call at this stage is say Martin Quinn, taxi driver. Martin, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Firstly, um, I know that you you were due to come on, but not when you you know you wouldn't have been aware at the time that uh, a taxi driver was held to ransom at knife point this morning. Are you aware of that? I am, yeah, and I'd just like to send my best wishes to that driver. It could happen to anyone of us. In the sense that you have to make a call in the moment as to who you let into the taxi, isn't that it? Exactly, but since the call we came in, like most of us have uh, the prospect screens up. Some of only kind of plastic ones, but um, I don't know, did that driver have anything? I do not know. And Paul Byrne was suggesting that business has been so quiet. I mean, there are busy times, I, I know that, but by and large so quiet that taxi drivers are maybe taking more risk, is that right? I, I wouldn't say so, Neil. Um, you, you'll always stop for a flag down, like, I mean, if you've nobody in the car, because, look, you drop off somebody somewhere, and if you get a, a back fare, it's like a lorry getting a backload from Dublin, you'll, you, you know, you, you'll always take that, like, you know, that, that's, that'll make it pay. But my point that I Yeah, but would you not look at, I'll let you get to your point in a second, but would you not take a look at that person first before oh, you... Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. and the longer you are, the longer you're on this job, the more you you can smell a rat and and smell a yeah you know good but um but look not everybody you can't judge everyone by by the you can't judge every book by its cover you know yeah but with but the um, description your man this morning with the knife he doesn't sound as if he was the most savoury looking um, character anyway. <sighs> Probably not, no. Probably okay. not. Okay. All right. Anyway, just pick up on other points that we've been dealing with recently. Is this to do with cash or card, is it? Our phone. Like Our I phone. had last Friday. Um, I picked up this guy, Grand, um, took him from A to B. 17 euro was the fare. Um, when, when you pick up somebody, it was, a, it was a free note on the app. So I can tell straight away whether he's been paying by account, card, the, the card or cash and this was cash came up in it yeah. so I dropped him off at the destination 17 euro um, he was going out the door to pay I said hang on to on cash he said no it's on card I said look hang on I'll try and change it I failed to change it on my side I said look you'll have to change it on your side on his phone he can change it from card to cash yeah. from cash to card he failed to change it to card so why did he fail is it he couldn't or he wouldn't he tried and he failed. So he asked me, had I a car machine? I said, I have, to go to car machine. Oh, and by the way, Neil, that woman that was on the rank, I would believe her that four taxi men wouldn't take, wouldn't take um card, but I wouldn't believe that four taxi, taxis in a row had a card machine on view. Right? Because I just don't think that that many taxi drivers She's have their have their card machine up on the okay, desk. Okay, well, she said she so, saw them. She may have confused them with the meter. Well, I don't I, know, I, but I, she did. I, I, I'm not calling her a lawyer, but I I I I, I find that very hard to believe. Yeah, well, I could be here all morning asking you why okay. you think they wouldn't this, take yeah. cards card and they were only looking for cash. I don't but know. This guy, yeah, look, this guy, this guy asked me how they card machine. Uh, I said, yeah, keep in the seventeen euro into the card machine. He wouldn't, he passed it back to him, uh, he tapped, I looked at the machine, uh, it wouldn't take it, it said insert card. I said, look, insert card. It was the phone, he tapped it. Then, to us, a bit of an argument, nothing's major, but look, I said, look, you owe me 17 euro, I have no money on me, he said, I have no cash on me, and you have no card either, you're depending on your phone. And I, I'm here now, and I'm stranded, I'm 17 euro, and this went on for a while, and he said, I'm in a hurry, I must go to work. I wasted on peak time a half an hour, Neil. A half an hour peak time. We have small windows in the morning, probably seven to nine in the morning. I does four or five mornings, and I does um, 
I does for weekend nights as well. Yeah. I mean, people go, young people going out, anybody going out of a Friday or Saturday night, their phone is going to go dead. I don't know how many people ask me, every charge, can I charge a phone? And I, I do facilitate them. I do. I do I, I, and fair play to you, you let them use the charger and the input. But yeah. what, what happened with the fare? Did he end up paying you at all? Yes, I got paid this morning in cash. 20 quid he gave me. Yeah, so he was a but genuine, know, he was a genuine know, character know, who was struggling with his phone then, wasn't he? Or his card. He was struggling with his phone. But I mean, like, the point I'm making is, like, if you go to a garage or a shop after 10 o'clock of a Saturday or Friday any night, you have to go through the hatch. We let everyone into the, into the taxi, like yourself and Paul Byrne were saying. We don't know what they're like. But the least they can do is have a bit of respect for us and pay promptly. I've no problem taking care. I've no problem. No problem. If there's money in the account. But I said this guy had no money in his account. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Bottom line, yeah, he, he wasted a half an hour of my time for a simple fare that it started off at about 14 when I took him to the destination, went up to 17, by the time I keyed it in for 17, and 20, he gave me 20 quid. I okay. no qualms if this guy rings me back, I'm not slating him, but I'm just saying he wasted a half an hour of my time. And that was lost and, income and, to and, you. And on okay. Saturday night or Friday night, then, uh, you know, you have a couple of hours... Not to make a killing like some people think, to make it worth your while for the night. And Not a killing. Some guy messing around with a phone that's that and, and there's no money in it, like uh, and there's no money in his, in his account. Sure, what, you know, I think cash. I have no problem with the tap. Cash is the quickest way of paying or tap if there's money in the account. Okay, covered a lot of ground there. I'm out of time. Just before, just one second before you go. Do you know of many taxis? I'm just talking about the uh, knife, the man held ransom with a knife. Do many taxis have cameras in them? Um, I'd say probably 50% need. 50%. I don't. Okay. I don't. Why not? Um, I, 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 I think, I, I, I think I could defend myself. Okay. I, I think, um, okay. um, as long as I, as long as I'd be able to defend, think I can defend myself, I'll keep doing nights. All right. Thanks, Martin. I hope you stay. seventies that shouldn't be doing nights. Okay. Appreciate it. Um, okay. hope they say 50% taxis, you figured around about 50% have cameras. Here's hoping that the one this morning was one of those taxis with a camera. Lines will stay open on one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Email neil at redfm.ie. Text 0868104106. Most importantly, have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.